0: Well, it is the hot button topic that has everyone talking around the state, Mitch, not just our side of the state, but north, south, east, west, everywhere you look in Illinois, people are talking about districts, and are they coming? What's good? What's bad? We'll get all into it. Are you ready for a district discussion here? I don't know if I'm ready
1: for it, but you know, it's, it's a very poignant conversation that is going to potentially alter the landscape of ice football. So um, it's important that we kind of lay out what we know, uh, like you mentioned, maybe some pros and cons and maybe try and answer some
0: unanswered questions
1: that, that coaches or or listeners might be looking for.
0: Well, if we're going to lay out what we know, I think the man who knows the most about it, Steve Susie from Friday night drive is with us. He'll join us on this episode. But well, Mitch, let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's night you go out and just take one more step. Four, two, three, it's a view from the West. And it starts right now. Welcome into View from the West Podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, here we are, the district discussion. It's got everybody talking. Are you ready to dive in?
1: Yeah, uh, ready to to look at this. And um, again, kind of like we mentioned in the cold open, there's a lot of unknown. And I think that's a big part of this conversation. But um, with some mock districts that have been brought up now, Maybe the picture gets painted a little bit clear, even though it's not official, but maybe gives coaches a little bit more information as to what they could potentially be supporting uh, or against.
0: Yeah, well, we're hoping to inform here. And uh, as I said, the man who knows a lot about it, the most maybe that I've that I've seen around the state, Steve Susie from uh, Shaw Media, Friday Night Drives. The Seuss, well, thank you for being here. We've, you know, we've been in touch over the years, but it's great to have you on the pod for the first time.
2: I yeah, appreciate the invitation first of all. and uh, you know definitely one of those situations where there's been a lot brought up and a lot talking about it. It's funny that you mentioned that that uh, you know that I might know the most about this, but there's also a frightening percentage of things that I don't know about this. So you know really when it when it comes right down to it, you know i'm I'm kind obviously, if you know what I do and what I have done in the past, i'm I'm a little bit of a stickler for information collection. So this process has been really frustrating for me because I have not been able to collect all the information that I would like to uh, to do this endeavor properly.
0: Yeah, well, as as most know who are listening to this, obviously every year, you know, Seuss, you're drawing up the brackets. You're able to predict within about a game or two every team that's going to be in the playoff field and you get it pretty accurate. Is this drawing up of the districts? You have projected districts, which you just released today on Friday night drive. I encourage people to subscribe to Friday night drive. First of all, it's great coverage from around the state of Illinois. You get, you get over into our area for sure as well. So we love following it was covering, was trying to project the brackets easier or harder than when you just did this district mock-up.
2: the the brackets are much easier than this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I suppose. Considerably easier, especially when you get later in the season, when you all, you have all the information that you need in front of you and that's, I think that's the biggest difference between that process, especially at the end and this process, because you don't have all the information that you need in front of you right now. You just don't.
0: Yep. All right. Well, before we jump into all of it, before we dive into the district discussion, we got to thank our friends over at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services as the big nationwide companies, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at BreedloveSports.com, or you can shoot Cal Breedlove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information we also encourage you to check out matthewson's mini helmets they were our sponsor for the matthewson's mini helmets player of the week all season long matthewson's mini helmets offers totally customized mini helmets or decals for your school you can find them on facebook or on twitter again that's matthewson's mini helmets we want to thank them for their support all right so here we are the district discussion we're going to break it all down we're going to dive into it the good the bad maybe some of the ugly who it helps who it hurts the potential long-term consequences i think that we also need to like look into you know mitch as you called it uh, last week the butterfly effect what decisions can be made that we don't even realize the impact they can have this is such a massive topic uh, you know our goal today give the listeners Something that can inform and educate as much as possible. If you're an athletic director, a head coach, a fan or a player, anyone in between, I hope that you can leave this episode knowing what you need to know before the vote is decided here. So let's jump in. It's proposal 18, correct? I want to be officially correct. All right. So Proposal 18 submitted by Muhammad Seymour on behalf of the Apollo Conference, the Big 12 Conference, DuPage Valley Conference, and the Interstate 8 Conference. Now, what I think is interesting, Susal, I'll, I'll ask you about it. When you look around who proposed it, it really is a good, it really is a good draw from around the state. You don't really get much Southern Illinois, but it is a pretty good sample of you have Apollo, which is on the Eastern side of the state. You have the Bloomington, Big 12 is Bloomington Normal, Peoria, Champaign, DuPage is getting into Naperville, Aurora, Decalb, and then the Interstate 8 is kind of sprinkled in the north and central part of the state. So it really is a pretty good cross-section of some bigger schools, some smaller schools, right? I mean, I think that's a good start, at least.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the things that when they were talking about this proposal initially, that I think they thought set it apart kind of from previous attempts at this there was a little bit larger cross-section of teams that we were talking about that kind of unified. Also, when you kind of look at those individual conferences that kind of had something to do with it there, if I were to make a list of five to six conferences that have kind of had trouble maintaining a stable number, those conferences would be on the list. So you can understand, I guess their, their want and their desire for, uh, you know, a little bit more consistency inside of their schedules
3: yep
0: yep that makes sense well let's read what the official proposal says as it is written football districts to be formed by geography and classification eight districts in each class with eight schools in each district now a question we'll address soon enough is do we have enough teams to fulfill what that says that we would get District games would be weeks three through nine of the regular season. The top four schools in each district qualify for the IHSA playoffs. Seating procedure will be similar to current seating procedures. Teams from the same district cannot play in the first round. So, Mitch, I guess as you've read that, as you've seen it over the past couple weeks, give me your opening thoughts. I know we've talked about districts in the past when it was first, you know, proposed and approved and then taken back. But now here we yeah. are with a different proposal, similar, but a, you know, kind of a fresh take on it. What are your opening thoughts here?
1: Um, w- without getting into the unknowns, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, I- I've been, whenever we've talked about districts, I've been very vocally against it. I'm still there. Um, I understand where coaches are coming from and some of the pros that come with it. I totally understand that. They're absolutely right on that. I've talked to a handful of coaches um, who have brought up their side of it? They've, the coaches that I talked to, the handful that have all been on the four side of it, I totally understand where they're coming from. They are—they are, they are very valid points, but it's the way that this has been brought up, it's the way that it stands right now, and the unknowns of voting on it without knowing how this would look.
0: I, I'm an absolute no on this as it sits. Yeah. Steve, what were your thoughts when you saw it? I mean, obviously it's been discussed for a while, but when you saw this one in writing, you know, what were your takeaways?
2: Well, I, the first thing I think there wasn't a lot of deviation from the original the the procedure that was uh, brought through um, the last time that we tried to do this. There really is not a lot of change from that proposal. The one thing that I think that they definitely improved on was the non-conference games and actually having, or the non-district games, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. um, actually having some factor in how the teams are seated. Uh, I think one of my biggest concerns about that previous thing was when we had the two non-district games that in a roundabout way didn't really count for anything. So, and and that was a really big problem that I had with it because, you know, If you don't make the playoffs, you only get nine of these. And then to take two of them and basically place no consequence or value on them, sure, maybe you're playing a rival that's not in your district, and I'm sure it means something. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, who's to say they don't turn into glorified scrimmages in that scenario? And that was was something that gave me a lot of pause. It gave a lot of people a lot of pause. So to their credit, that has improved from the – previous proposal to this proposal. There is a value on those two games. It is a way to encourage you to seek out a quality opponent. There would be some benefit not only to playing them, but especially to beating them.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I will say when I saw this all laid out and, you know, the first go-around, which you know, you pointed out Seuss was pretty similar to what we have now. The first go-around I'll be honest. Mitch was dead set against it. And I was kind of leaning towards thinking it was a good thing because I had seen some schools from our area that, you know, were good programs that just were really struggling to find a home and without having a good solid, you know, conference or teams around them, they just, it really affected their year in and year out, you know, ability to compete. And that was unfortunate. So it felt like they were programs that if they were in a right situation, they would compete. You've seen some of those schools one being like Monmouth Roseville they have found a conference now in the three rivers that really was a good fit so now i'm kind of going you know back the other way thinking well now that some of these schools have found homes there's other ones that have you know gone the other way i don't know now i'm leaning more towards let's keep conferences the way they are i think basically what what i've realized now the more i look at it is and you've said it i've heard you say it on your podcast there is no perfect solution you know there is no there is no perfect system here that's going to please everyone we we know that that's impossible i think district play for some could be great and then there are others that we'll talk about here in a minute that it would be it would be disaster it just it just will be i don't i can't even it's so ridiculous i don't even know how it would play out the, the way that these districts are drawn up for a couple in our area in particular. So let's kind of get into some pros and cons. We'll we'll do just some bullet points here to kind of you know map it all out, which we've kind of addressed a little bit. The pros, you know, the good things here, schools are gonna be grouped together with like size enrollment. So you then know more of the you know question throughout the season of, you know, they play in a really big conference and they're a small school, or vice versa. There's gonna be like size, so you're gonna know going in a little bit more parity coming into the playoffs, right? You're going to see more like opponents, which I think is probably a good thing. One pro that I'll say that Mitch we haven't really talked about, it would certainly change the landscape of how we cover things on this side of the state. We've been so used to our local teams playing each other. Once you get into that week 3 through 9, do you think it's a pro an interesting scenario where we're going to see different teams? We would see a lot of different teams from around the state week in and week out do you like that? It makes more work for us, you know, if it happens, but do you like that? I mean, yeah, it, it's always, it's always
1: fun to cover those, you know, in some conferences um, take the the Western big six, you know, their first two games, uh, three games sometimes of the season where we would see a Sterling versus a Wheaton St. Francis, or we would see uh, whoever um, yep. Yep. it's blank off the top of my head at the moment, but yeah. So we always enjoy that. So of course, if, if, we stretch these out into eight districts um of course we'd be covering more teams that that part doesn't bother me um the the other side of the coin there is that for the teams themselves and we'll get into this in a minute with like moline yeah where they're losing all of their quad city local opponents yeah like that's awful that's that's the worst thing that could happen for them
0: Yeah. Well, that's the one I was referencing that it could be a disaster, you know, for someone like that, you know, a couple other, I would say pros it does, you know, eliminate that drive for five, this conference shuffling. That's the big reason we're here having this conversation is the instability has maybe ramped up in recent years. And I think coaches and athletic directors are probably getting tired of it because it's always that jockeying, right? Seuss. There's always every year. How many discussions do you have with teams about, we're looking for a new home, so this isn't a good fit, and we need to go here and here.
2: Yeah, and I, but I think that that can even be kind of a double-edged edged sword in the discussion of districts. Yeah, the drive for five is gone, but now that kind of changes to the drive for four inside of a group of teams that you have no control over who those teams are. You've yeah. lost your autonomy. You you could end up getting placed in a much worse situation right now, and it's still the same thing. You're I mean you you you've changed you you just changed the number and the metric on how you get there. And like I said, whatever whatever you think of the conference system, it still provides flexibility and autonomy to the schools that are involved. It might not be perfect, but if you have if you have a a reason whatever reason that is for not playing a school maybe you've had incidents with them in the past or maybe there's just something there and you choose not to play them this system takes away that right like and, and i don't know if that's necessarily something that a lot of schools in some situations are real comfortable with
0: yeah it's interesting that as this conversation plays out it was exactly what mitch and i were texting back and forth when I was putting together a list of pros and cons, as soon as I would send him a pro, he would equally fire back with on the flip side of what I just said, here's the con to that. And that's exactly what we're getting into in the conversation. So I think the next step that we've kind of talked about these non-district gains, when you build the schedule, the way it is weeks one and two would be, you know, you're not going to have any closed districts you know, like we have closed conferences these days. So you would see some non-district games that could get interesting. Teams might be willing to go out, you know, stretch their boundaries a little bit and find a fun, unique matchup. Um, Cause right. You could cross, you could cross over dist or sizes classes. You could go up as yeah. big as you want.
2: So yeah. yeah. You do whatever Sorry. you want in that situation and it does allow for that. But you know, as much as I hope that that does create some of those games, You know, I I think there, and there, there will be less of a scramble because there'll be less of this. You know, I have to worry about whether or not that, you know, how this is going to affect my ability to get to five. So you might be more willing to play a team that say went seven and two and got to the quarters last year, if that's a reasonable distance for you to travel and all these other things. But Mm -hmm. it, it at least opens the door for those kinds of discussions when in the past maybe. You know, I I have a lot of conversations with teams looking for games now, and I'll tell them, hey, these are the 14 teams that I have not with a game in week three or whatever, and these people will just go down the list and go, nope, 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 for whatever reason that they have. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there are ridiculous size disparities, and you you don't want to play that game just for safety reasons, but but it will make you a lot easier a lot easier to go well okay, let me think about that for a minute. And before it was kind of a shutdown conversation and we might get to the bottom of that list and find one or two potential matchups that might work. And that's only if the other team is willing. And now now I think that that will open up the lines of conversation and, and provide a little bit more volume.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mitch, what do you got? So Seuss, you had mentioned that this
1: proposal um, improved from the last one in terms of those two uh, non-district games. What, what is that? What is the value then of those two non-district games?
2: Now the just, let's just say, for example, you went six and three in the regular season uh and went four and three in district play and qualified. All right. So then you would be seated into the bracket as a six and three team with the playoff points that you accumulated from your district games oh. and those, those non-con games before it was going to be a simple bracketing system. First place in District 1 plays fourth place in District 2. Second place plays – that would be – there would be no factoring in or any value at all for those first two games. They wouldn't have counted in any capacity.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, but the, I, but the, the, the first qualifier, though, is your record in your district in this the, proposal.
2: Once you get – getting into the field, you have to go – you have to go in the first four places. Yeah. Then okay. Then you're establishing then then you set your 32 qualifiers with the four from each eight districts. Then you look at everyone's records. 9 and 0, oh, 9 and 0, oh, 8 and 1 8 and 1. They're stacked just like they are now. All right? Even if that means a second place in some division has a better record than a first place record in another division. They're seated that, that way. So that's how you could get more, say you go 0-2, but win your district, you could be seated behind a team that finished second and won both of those games in non-con. You could conceivably be seated behind them. So that's how, that, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, that's how you could conceivably be a 3-6 and 6 team and qualify for the playoffs. You could finish 3-4 and 4 in district play, win a tiebreaker for fourth place, Lose both of your non-con, your non-district games, finish three and six, and make the playoffs.
1: Is is that tiebreaker playoff points? Then, if if two teams in the same district follow or uh, finish with the same district
2: record, it would be the same thing that they would do it now. Hypothetically, if you had three teams finish at three and four, all right, then it would be least points allowed um in the games played between those two teams. So you could potentially get a lot of permutations out of that. So. That's how they do it now with a three team tiebreak. If it was a two team tiebreak at three and four, I doubt mathematically that would happen. Uh, But if it did, it would be simply head to head competition between those two teams. If it was a four team, it's the same thing setting it up against defensive points in those three games, figuring out who breaks that tie. So Hmm. that's the, the, like I said, someone was asking hypothetically how that could happen. That's how it could happen. Okay.
0: Uh, I read, you know, in, within the notes for the proposal, I think one of their, you know, one of their pros or one of the reasons for doing it was to streamline the playoff process. I, I don't know if I fully buy into that. I mean, I, I kind of like the way that Illinois does the high school football playoffs as is. I know that a lot of people have gripes with the, you know, push for five wins and the way that seating or scheduling ends up being a huge factor and all that. But I don't know. I'll mention it. People say that streamlining the playoff process is a pro in this case.
2: Streamlining qualifying, I think is what they're, maybe they didn't articulate it very well. Okay. Only thing that you have to do to ensure that you're in the playoff field is finish in the top four in your district. You get in now, where you get in is up for debate, but it, it simplifies the whole process. You don't have to be used to be, you would be, kind of worried maybe if you were a five and four team with low points whether or not you were going to get in you'll know at the end of your district calendar on week nine whether you're in or out that's there's no question in this system you'll know did i finish in the top four yes i'm in did i not no i'm out there's no there's no pushing the numbers around there's no situations where so i think that's what they were getting at there simplifying whether or not you're in or out like i said i don't think they articulated as well as they could have but that is i think and that and that to some people not to me because i love the chaos but to some people that is a definite plus what do we have to do here if we win on friday night do we finish fourth and granted so you know sometimes that that will be involving tiebreakers but basically there will be a lot of games where you go into it. I win, I'm in, I lose, I'm out. And it'll be that cut and dried. And that's appealing to some people. I And I understand the appeal of it.
0: Yeah, I guess I get it, but I'm with you. I was just going to say, before you said that you loved it, I loved even this past year. I mean, you were live streaming till two in the morning or whatever it was, just talking about who we thought was in and how the numbers were shaking out and like crunching the numbers in real time, like, that was fun. Like that was fun, entertaining, you know, to follow along with. So I'll miss, I would miss out on some of that. I think I think other people would miss that, but I get it. Yeah. Mitch, what do you got?
1: So I was just going to say before we move on, cause I feel like we'll probably be hitting a lot of the more negative as we move forward. <laughs> um, look, at the cons at list. The, yes. Yeah. So, so looking at some of the, um, so just to back up, we, we sent a, a survey to coaches um, in our area for feedback on if they would be in favor of it, what their comments were, what their thoughts are on it. So just kind of looking through, um, and in full disclosure, it was almost evenly split. We had 24 responses. I don't remember Greg, what the breakdown was, but, um, I think there was, we'll get into it
0: a little bit, but yeah, it was a little more in favor of districts slightly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But just, just to go back to the first point you talked about where you're having schools play, uh, teams of similar enrollment. Um, the schools and conferences that we cover, where it's more of the small schools, it's more of the one A and the two A's, we've seen a shift in the Lincoln, or uh, yeah, the Lincoln Land mm-hmm. um, in the track where they are becoming conferences filled with bigger schools. So I, I look at two teams and responses that we got in, let's say Havana or Allman Catholic, who play in these much bigger conferences and putting them in a little bit better of a situation where they're playing um, like-sized schools is certainly a benefit. Havana, who I I don't believe has won a game in two years, Alma Catholic who didn't field a team um, last year and has struggled the past few years, right. That would certainly keep them in the fold in this um, where they're not trapped in a conference playing teams that are so much bigger than them. So, um again, I feel like our conversation is probably going to shift a little bit, but just to put an emphasis on the pros here for those smaller schools that are, are in those conferences comprised of, of bigger programs, if you keep that, the longer you keep that up, the less interest that those communities might have, you might have less kids coming out, and that's just going to either drop you out of, of football entirely like we've seen, or drop it to eight man like we've seen, and then we're in a whole nother discussion and a whole nother set of problems. So doing this would alleviate that.
0: Yeah, Jeff uh, Schmolbach from uh, Allman, Allman Football's head coach right now, he he's been very outspoken that they need districts because Allman's the landscape of Allman has changed a lot in the past 5 years or or a little bit more than that. The enrollment is significantly down to where they're essentially a 2A school I think now playing in a in a conference that is 6 7A, you know, on the bigger end of things. And, you know, so they they're just they're struggling to get numbers in football. And then when you start talking about the competition they're going up against, it's it's a lose-lose situation at this point. And I know people don't feel bad for all of them around here because they've had success in the past, but this is a much different school than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So yeah, what else have you heard from coaches, Seuss, around, you know, the state that feel like this needs to happen, that they want districts?
2: Well, I think there's a lot of schools that have, I guess, frustration with their inability to schedule games um, primarily from the the programs that are pretty successful because we get into this at all levels, small, big, whatever. We get into this little dance. I mean, it, it's the chase for five, but it's also, my conference is already tough enough. Why would I go out in the non-conference schedule and, and, you know, schedule two road graders that are just going to come in and and even if I split there, I'm still kind of behind the eight ball. So it's, it's becomes this little dance, especially with some of our more the stronger conferences over by where I'm at. For example, you know, like the Southwest suburban where it feels like every week when you're in conference play, you've got a dynamite program coming at you. Um, You know, the non-conference schedule needs almost needs to be, somewhat manageable you can't really do that much for you and then i mean it like just like you said about allman nobody's going to shed any tears for them but chicago catholic league teams for example are already running through a buzzsaw during their the seven weeks that they play in league almost every team in there is going to end up seeing four five six playoff caliber teams just in their conference schedule and finding anybody willing to play them in the non-conference schedule is extraordinarily different. So, but if, so if you take the, if you kind of take the shackles of the chasing for five non-conference games should get, should get a lot easier to schedule in this scenario than they are now should. Yep. Yep. Well, should we move into the cons list here? I think (laughs) this
0: this might get interesting, I think, because there's, you know, there's some things that really stand out to me. The top one that's been the big conversation is travel is, you know, not so much when you, okay, I, I should backtrack. The travel issue is interesting because the IHSA has been outspoken in saying they don't want to go one through 32 in the playoff system because of travel. And now this proposal, and I get it, this proposal has been put on by coaches. So the IHSA is just going on the recommendation of the coaches and, and programs, you know, in their membership pool. But if you're wanting to avoid travel, this when you start looking at seven a and eight a, there are some districts that literally stretch the entire state,
2: yeah, and it's a big problem in regards to how you draw these things because a lot of people start to think about districts and they say, "Oh well, we're just gonna group together with you know you know similar sized schools that are relatively close to us that that's the way that this should work, right? Yeah, you have to consider the fact that this policy is pretty rigid the way it's written. We need 18 districts. There's no flexibility there. We may end up not being able to have 18 districts. We'll get to that later. But right now, that's, what, that's the way it's written. So they have to draw them into 18 districts. And sometimes you've got one or two schools that are in your, the same classification for you that are 150 miles away from every other school in the state. They need to go somewhere. They have to go to somebody. So when you're looking at your map and saying, oh, these are the seven schools that are the closest to me, not the way it's going to work. It might work that way in a few isolated situations, but you have to consider this is for everybody. It's not just for you. So those schools have to have a home too. And what it's doing is it's taking these fairly small conference circles in most situations and turning them into big giant circles to go out and grab a total of eight teams, And the circles get bigger, the smaller the classifications get.
0: Yeah. Well, we certainly see it firsthand. Maybe the, the most, you know, the team that would be impacted the most is potentially Moline. I mean, when you start looking at where they would be going week in and week out, Mitch, did you kind of look through and see what their potential district was?
1: Yeah. So in Seuss's mock, um, this would be, and again, I hate to put labels on it because it's unofficial, but, uh so I won't. The district that Molines <laughs> fell in was uh Quincy, a familiar opponent, but not a close draw. Uh normal community, Pekin, Granite City, Collinsworth, uh Bellevue Collinsville. West and Collinsville, I'm sorry, um, Bellevue West and Alton. So yeah. Um, yeah, that and I I think Coach Morrissey was was pretty vocal in his response uh to our survey that it would be a killer for them to be in a situation like that, both financially, travel, all of that.
0: Well, and I thought, and he mentioned, I think is interesting financially. It would impact them significantly. Obviously the travel is so increased. So that's the finances there. But when you start talking about, if you're losing games against, you know, these traditional, um, you know, traditional Western big six rivals, potentially if Galesburg's out and Quincy would still be in, but you, I guess you'd be, having to fulfill your two non-conference, non-district, sorry, non-district games with Rock Island UT, that would almost be guaranteed where you have to go there. So you'd be able to keep them. But throughout the season, th- th- these are not teams that are nearby. They're not going to travel well. Your gates are going to be lowered, you'd think, at you know home game-wise throughout the season. Yeah. Have you heard that from other teams, Seuss around the state, that, that when they get put in these districts and they're spread out across the state, they're losing money.
2: Now I've heard two things that are, are the, of the primary concerns of one of, of these outlier situations. One of them obviously is with, with Moline, but one is that is that, you know, it's going to hurt our home gates. It's going to be an expensive road trip that maybe we might have to make one of those trips a year in the current situation. Now we're going to have to make three of them. Um, and that's just not very appealing. It depends on how, how you know, I mean, how it draws out, but it, those aren't good. And then other concerns that I've heard um are about underclassmen programs. Uh, yes. You know, JV levels, uh, you know, the programs, some might have freshman levels, some might. And a lot of teams have told me we don't have any guidance on this. So we're going to go, we're going to basically go back to what we were doing before. We're going to play inside of our conferences for these underclassmen games. And I'm like, well then what are we doing this for? Like if we're just going to revert back to the system that we just gave up for the underclassman route, but it's not it's not okay to use it for the varsity level though. We got to do it this way. For that. So it just seems like complete chaos in that sense, but there and, and I think it's more prevalent in some of the middle classifications where there's a disparity between the programs that some of these schools offer that end up in the same district. Some have JV teams, some don't. So then it's going to become this cobbling of, of, of a schedule where that becomes even worse than anything we've had to deal with at the varsity level of trying to find, you know, teams with openings and dancing around and trying to find games. I know that happens sometimes with the larger programs, some that have freshmen and some that don't. You're playing a hodgepodge to begin with, but now you're like, you're taking away the stability and making the hodgepodge even larger at least in that level and no, nothing in the proposal addresses those concerns. Like, what are we? Yeah,
0: that was um, Nick Welch from United Township. That was immediately one of the there things was, he po- pointed out. There, there was a lot that had that point in our survey. Yep. Yep.
2: So no, no, no. officials too. like a lot of these areas have officials that are kind of moored in an area. I mean, are they going to be willing to make these, you know, two hour trips for games to fulfill, you know, the obligations that these schools need are, are, is that, that infrastructure is shaky as to be with. I don't think we want to put more instability into that equation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point as well. So, you know, some of the other drawbacks, the cons that we would, you know, we mentioned teams are going to lose control of their schedule. The IHSA would be responsible for scheduling districts year in and year out. Have we heard, Seuss, would it be on a two-year interval? Do we know that? I know other states have
2: done it that way. I think this is what I I believe would happen. I believe, and this is all speculation, because I am not, I I mean, if this policy was implemented, we we would be in a one-year pocket, because it would be the last year of the two-year enrollment period. Okay. Right, and then it would go into place for a two-year pocket after that because we would get new enrollment numbers. There were, there's going to be some situations and I've already been informed of a few of them Um, possible co-ops that are dropping. Uh, I've heard of one program today that I didn't know about um, that uh, apparently is going to go to eight man football. I knew about one of those already, but I found out another one. There's just variables right now that would change it. I think in some ways, um, but as far as existing multipliers, success formula, playing up, all of those things that are currently in place and were in place for 2023 would be in place for 2024. And then everything would get recalculated in 25 and 26. So you would have new, you'd have potentially new classifications because of multiplier number changes, enrollment changes, all this other stuff. So the numbers that like I use to calculate this projection would most likely be good for 24 with some slight adjustments but then then you throw throw everything back in the hopper for the 25 26 seasons that's what i believe
0: yeah well and i guess that would make sense based on the way the ihsa has gone every in those two-year intervals to begin with that would make sense to kind of feed this into that system that is already in place so you know couple of things we've talked about, you're going to lose those potential built-in rivalries that these conferences have created, you know, nearby schools that are a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller than each other. The biggest one in our area, Rock Island and Moline, they'd have to find, they'd play in week one or week two, but I know looking around our area, I, you got to imagine Mitch, that there's other teams that won't be able to fulfill that rivalry game inside of their one or two Non district games that there's going to be games, local games that are missed out on, whether they were the biggest rivalry in the state or just kind of a nearby, you know, clash between two schools that play each other a lot, that were going to bring a big gate, was going to bring a big draw. They're not going to happen. We're eventually going to lose some of those. And even if they play in weeks one or week two, I know they still mean something for seeding, but doesn't it lose a little bit of a luster if Moline and Rock Island play in week one?
1: Yeah, a little bit, um, especially since, and again, as Seuss cleared up earlier, that those, those non-district games will still count for something. Um, but those, you know, when you had those matchups of recently in the Western big six, uh, Moline and Sterling coming down to week nine, it yeah. determined, the, it determined the conference two years ago It determined who was going to the playoffs this year. So yeah, it, it absolutely loses its luster. Um, I, I will say, based on some of the mock-ups by Seuss, we retain some of that. Um, certainly in 1A, in the, in the 1A yep. North, the essentially the NUIC district, we retain a lot of that. You get Morrison and Newman back together. You get Morrison and Fulton back together. Um, in, in 2A, you would have Rock Ridge and Mercer County back together um, with Orion in there too. So we do retain some of it, but yeah, it, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel it wouldn't have the same feel and it wouldn't have the same implications that we've seen it have the past couple seasons.
2: yeah, remind me before we go that there's a fun little wrinkle to that one a two a situation that <laughs> I' like to it we're done so all right oh a wrinkling it's not even in the story. this is a whole oh. new thing that I uh that I that's. I, tease. I just wanted to throw it out there for you before we're done. Just remind me to do that.
0: love it. all right, we'll get back to that. So we talked about the playoffs being streamlined. But Seuss, do you see potential issues where some of these districts are going to be drawn up and there's just going to be imbalances, you know, with clustered areas of good teams and then the district right next to them is a cluster of teams that are lacking that success. And I know that can happen in the current conference setup. But for the most part, schools were choosing which conferences they were going to be in. And I felt like it would all kind of equal out. We knew some conferences were better than others. But in the grand scheme of things, I think this, the way this system is built, you could really see some imbalance. And I think that leads to maybe not the best playoff field, correct?
2: Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think there's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a hard thing to describe, but I will say one thing that when you're looking through this, uh, a lot of the schools that you find typically on the bubble um, between classifications, particularly in the middle, like four or five and six, if you're looking at it, you're going, hmm, I'm used to that team being a five. Why are they in the six? What I'm used to this team being a four. Why are they a five? Well, that's because of the, the construction of saying, hey, 64, that's it. 64 here, 64 here, 64 here. Because over time, like if you look at this, like at the end of the season, and I do this every year just as an exercise, not even because of these district things. Um, if you counted from the top of from the top of the enrollment sheet, the, the smallest school and started working down, most years you have to get to about 80 on the sheet before you find the one A two a break line. All right. Okay. Yep. Think about that in that construct. Yeah. You're just putting 64 in 1A before. So now that's gonna change. It's gonna push, it's gonna push around the teams that are likely getting in. All right. That number is not quite as high as 80 for the next classification. But it's still fairly high. It's like 72. All right. Okay. Then we as we go down, that number slowly gets smaller and smaller and smaller. All right. So that's why you're seeing this is because those schools that are on the bubble in the current system between two and three, they have to get pushed down because of that of that fact right there. So that's what you're seeing is you're seeing teams get bumped down in almost every situation. All the way up to about seven, it tapers off at eight. All right, because eight's pretty locked in. I mean, typically, I can look at the last teams on the sheet and say, these out of the the playoff field's going to come out of these forty-eight teams, and almost be right every single every single time. That's just because that's where the stronger programs lie, and they also it, it's one of the one of the negatives of the current system. The eight A's tend to feast. On the seven A's and the six A's in non-conference. Overall, it doesn't happen all the time. There are some struggling eight A programs too, but for the most part, when you have a non-conference game between two middle of the pack eight and six A teams, the eight A team almost always wins. And that's it. It becomes this. I told someone before. A lot of what I do is big math. It's not complicated math. It's big math. There's a difference.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. That It's funny you mentioned that because I immediately noticed that when I saw Geneseo and Sterling were paired together in 5A, correct?
2: Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. And they're, and traditionally, Geneseo's been 4 and Sterling plays up at 5. So I, that was one that I immediately noticed. So when you getting back to this playoff system, what worries me is we used to see it in, in Iowa um, when I was covering, you know, in the Quad Cities covering the Iowa side of the river, that There's potential for a district, a team to qualify for the playoffs because they finished fourth in their district. And like you said, they could finish at three and six, correct?
2: Yes, it is possible.
0: So if that happens, there's a chance that they get in, that team gets in at three and six, while other districts have a four and five team that gets left out, potentially, right?
2: Yes, there's also... There, there also could potentially be a scenario where a five and four team got left out and a three and six team got in, because you could potentially go three and four in district play and finish fifth and lose both of the and win both of your non-conference games. So you could finish five and four, three and four in district play and finish behind seven and oh, six and one, five, yeah. five and two, three. So you could finish fifth, miss the playoffs, have a five and four record,
0: not get in. That could happen, Seuss. You officially gave Mitch a headache. He needs Tylenol here. You're killing it. I hate it. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's and that I mean, but that's a possibility.
0: It's bad. Yeah, that would be bad. And I think I mean, I
1: mean, go go back to that one A. North, you've got. I think I counted 24 state championships in that mock district. Okay, one of those teams, possibly two of those teams, are going to be left out every single year with this model. Correct, And you're, you're going to tell me that let, let's just pick on... Oh,
2: Boston. go to the, go to the Chicago in,
1: district right next to it. Right. Pick pick on Forreston and say they finish fifth in the district. You tell me that Forreston's not better than 85% of 1A? Like, I,
2: I hate it. I hate it. I yeah. the, the, my, my thing with it, when I look at that just in general, like when we're talking about that 1A situation, is I'll... I'll take it a step further. Um, you take the sixth place. I'll take the sixth place finisher in district one against the runner up in district two every time. And not only will I take them, I take them to win in a running clock. Which one is that again? One a I'm looking at one a yeah. one. I'll take the sixth place finisher on any given year. All right. And I'll put them up against just for safety's sake, the third place finisher in district two. And yeah. I'll take them to win by a round every yeah. single. Yeah. Every.
0: Yeah. Cause let's, let's put this in person. Let's, you know, say yeah. the names on the list here. You have Forreston, Fulton, Lena Winslow, Morrison, Newman. One of those teams is not making the playoffs. Yeah. In this current yeah. setup. And that's ridiculous because all those yeah. teams are going to be very good football teams. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's where I feel like that's one of the other huge drawbacks here is I think the current setup for the playoffs works pretty well. You're getting year in and year out, and you would know Seuss as good as anybody. You're getting the, is it what, 256? Yes. You're getting the best 256 teams. Usually. There might be some argument once in a while that a three and six from a really good conference didn't make it in. But right, you'd agree, the most part, it's getting it right every year.
2: You know, I think for the most part, I think there are times when I look at it and I say, "Well, boy, that conference was a lot deeper than it usually is." These guys, in an average year, you know, probably get to six and three or something, but this caught some bad breaks. They finished three and six. They're they're probably better than half, if not all, of the five and four qualifiers. It happens. It does definitely happen, but it doesn't happen that much. Um, I especially now with less teams and. If you've played a strong schedule, we had six, four and five teams get into the playoffs this year with strong schedules. Um, and I think that trend's only going to increase if we stay in the current system be, as we lose a couple more teams each year to the eight man, you know, consolidation, whatever, um, you know, I, I think that's only going to increase. So the, the number of times where I feel like some, the current system has egregiously kept a really good football team out by its process. That list is really short.
0: Yeah. And I just, I worry that, you know, just when you lay out, especially in class one, a, we just mapped it out. I, I worry that we're, we're moving away from that. We're going, we're taking a step back in that area. Talk about the big issue here with all of this, you know, district talk is that it's all based around 512 teams. And as it currently sits, we don't have that. We're not, we're not getting to 512 based on who was in the, who was playoff eligible from a year ago. So describe a little bit about how you got to the 512 and that involves some Chicago public league teams that for whatever reason, they choose not to be involved in the IHSA playoff system. Kind of give us a little bit of, you know, insight into that.
2: Well, I mean, when it comes right down to it, at the end of last year, we finished with 497 um, playoff eligible teams. Um, so basically what we, we had that. Okay. Um, we had two teams in Southern Illinois, Vienna, and uh, I'm drawing a Sparta that yep. uh, were scheduled to start their seasons uh, and then elected not to. Um, But for the purposes of this exercise, I put them back in. I don't know what their future is. Um, I reached out to both of those schools. I did not get a response. Um, Another school that I reached out to is obviously one in your area. Alleman confirmed that if if the district situation was voted in, that they would be planning on returning to varsity football. And then an eight-man program, a a school has indicated that they're definitely going to eight-man in West Carroll. So with them going there, after you do all that math, that puts you at 500 teams. I put Sparta and Vienna back into the field just for convenience' sake. That might be wrong, but that's one of these variables that I just don't know yet. So 500 is not 512, obviously. Mm-hmm. So in order to do this to get a picture of what's going on, the po- the proposal gives no guidance on what they would do if they if they have they're short of 512 or don't or 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 have more than 512 it doesn't tell us what we're going to do with that possible situation so as it stands there are 24 teams in the chicago public league that are not playoff eligible i don't count all of them uh as you know possible teams to go into this field because four i believe four maybe five had multiple forfeits this season so I don't like the stability of them moving forward. So what I did, those teams are broken into uh, divisions of six. So I basically took uh, the top three finishers in each of those four divisions and moved them into the thing. So I could get to 512 because I wanted to see what it would look like. Now, that that comes with some peril because I don't know if that's what they'll do. No, yeah. one, no one votes i mean no one knows the answer to that right now the publicly doesn't know who those teams would be that they would put into this system um the proposal submitters don't know what teams are going to be put in this in fairness to them they don't know what teams are going to be put in this system but as it stands we don't have 512 teams so to get to 512 that's what i chose to do i could be completely dead wrong on which 12 teams maybe they don't take them at all maybe there's Maybe there's an alternate to it. Then how do we decide which class gets 62 teams and which class gets 60 teams? Or how does that get decided? No one knows the answers to those questions either. So like I said in that story today, this I had to take some liberties and that this was the liberty that I chose to take to give us kind of a snapshot of what this could look like. And what you have to understand is the teams I choose are very important. Because if I choose a team with a 2A enrollment over a team with a 4A enrollment, it changes the landscape of those cl- If I switch those around, it changes the landscape in 4, 3, and 2. Because you have to take a team and 4, replace whoever you're replacing, and move them down, it, you know, move that, that team down into 3. It changes all the maps unless there's a straight swap of the team you just took out of three and replaced them in there. So you, you may have to change every one of the district maps dependent on who you bring in to replace. And then it happens again in 2A for that vacancy. So if I guessed wrong and the team that is in the field is a 5A and it's all the lines change, all the teams change, potentially all the regions change. So it's so, so delicate. And that's the thing about it is if, if they to the table and say no, we're putting finger in instead of Corliss and there's a 300 enrollment difference in them, then tear up the sheets, start over. I mean that's I mean so that's where it becomes really really delicate here and like I said it was it, it was irritating in the process but nobody and I understand why no one has the answer but what do we do here? I mean if we have five if, if we go to if we go to battle with 500, how do we decide? And like we were talking about before, some of these class breaks have fascinating teams on them, resting on one side or the other. Their their fate could be decided, you know, which classification they're in, on whether or not the public league sends a full complement of teams into this this playoff system. So um, that's that's where this became really really tricky. I I think I explained my logic in the story of how I got to what I got to fairly well. But I could, I could 100% be wrong on that and render this entire exercise moot, to be completely honest with you.
0: Yeah. But I mean, just to have eyes on any, you know, on any sort of, you know, projection, if I'm an athletic director or a head coach, this is, you know, this is great. This is what something I absolutely need to see. Cause I think my biggest issue with all of this, going back to when it, when I first heard about it is, you know, I tweeted out when it first came out when my biggest problem with the plan is that there is no plan. Is that like, I, I, and I get why the IHSA isn't going to quickly draw up, you know, the brackets or sorry, draw up the districts. I, I get why they can't do it because it's, this is a member proposal. So it feels like I wish the members that proposed it, would have had at least a little bit more insight to the details, but I guess that you know that that takes a lot of work, that takes a lot of effort. And I think that it, it, it's something they didn't either have time to do or just didn't care to go into the detail. I don't know. I think that's my biggest issue with all this, is there's so many unknowns. If if I'm if I'm a member voting on this, even if I think I like it, I don't know how I vote for it because I don't really know. What I'm voting for, Mitch, what, what are you thinking here?
1: I was, I was just going to say like that. It would be forced to be drawn quickly because they want to have this in place for the next football season. So it would have to be drawn quickly and haphazardly. It would have to
0: be. And that's my other concern is that the way this has been proposed and said very firmly that it's going to be installed in 24 It just seems like we're rushing this whole process when we saw how this played out once. It was voted in, then people saw what the IHSA drew up and they didn't like it. The member schools didn't like it and we we scrapped it. And I get that's probably frustrating for people who really want district play to be put into place, but I think, can't we learn something from that first go around and really do the homework? You know, let's work the due diligence to get it you know, at least to something that we know what we're voting on. I, so I guess if, here's the, <laughs> go ahead, Mitch. If, if the members vote for
1: it, but then they don't like how the IHSA drums it up, is it, does it
2: matter? I mean, there's nothing, it, there's nothing that can happen if the members vote for it. You can't pull it back. Like, like, and that, and this is what, when I was talking to, to Sam Knox about this at the IHSA, um, He was honest about it. He's like, I mean, we're not going to put out a mock of this because there are so many variables that could be proven incorrect between here and there. So I think the honest falls on the people that are submitting the proposal to do some convincing here that what we're, what we're doing here is actually in is better uh, there's a lot of, you need to take it on faith that is, this is better for us. And ultimately the IHSA is going to, if they get the go ahead to do this, is they're just going to feed the stuff into the computer and whatever the computer spits out is what we're going to get. I mean, there's not good, there's, that's, that's the reality of the situation. So no, there's no, there's no, uh, eject button on this plane, if you will, uh, you are, if it is, if it's, it's passed, it's coming. Um, and the only way to get it, the only way to get it back or something different would be put it through the next legislative process. But it, if it votes through, on the, if the vote comes down on the 19th and says, we're playing this, we're playing it. In 24, we're playing it.
0: Well, and I think the biggest, you know, point that um, when you sat down and talked to Jim Taylor about it from WRMJ Radio, his point that he really drove home was once you make this decision, there's really no going back it's almost impossible to think that you'd go back to conference play once you did a a year or two in districts. So uh, that's the terrifying part. And I, again, I just think, I know there's some schools around the state that they know they want district play for one reason or another, they know why they want it. And they're convinced that the teams that are going to be drawn up in their district are going to be beneficial to them. And they're going to, they're going to go for it. But if I'm anywhere on the fence, if I'm, if I have even the slightest question about this, I don't know how you can vote it in with this many unknowns, because we talked about the potential imbalance for these districts. And there seems to be no indication that we would take like success factored into it to where, you know, okay, these teams have been playoff teams perennially. So let's try to make some competitive balance. There's been no talk of that. So like you said, your mock-ups here are just drawn up based on geography and enrollment and like enrollment. And that, to me, that doesn't work. It works for some, but in the grand scheme of things, I just think there's too much imbalance that's going to be created here. And it just, I I don't know how it's going to work. So I'll, we've kind of talked all through it here. Should we start looking through and, you know, just kind of, you know, looking broadly at the at the districts you drew up, Seuss. again, to anyone listening to this, go check out Friday Night Drive. subscribe to them. Seuss has all the mock the the mock projected districts mapped out. Great work here. And I think what I really love and i'm I'm not I, I'm being serious when I say it that this is an absolute testament to local journalism here, is that no one else around the state could drop a, a a projection and you were able to do it, and you took the time to do it. So, the, you know, go support local journalism here because this is the work being done to to give people an idea.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, but I mean, for me, it was I I feel like you know I'm I'm not I'm not going to say I'm anti this proposal. I just don't think it's better than what we currently have. Do I think that district football could work? Yes, I do. Do I think it works in this plan? No, I don't. Um, and that's the thing. I just wanted everyone. I felt like everyone kind of needed to be informed of what we were dealing with. And when it became clear that we were not going to be informed, um, basically in in the way that I maybe thought that it should have been, uh, I I felt like, I don't wanna say I felt like it was my responsibility to do it, but I just felt like everyone would be better served if we at least had some sort of picture to look at. So people that maybe didn't understand the the, the process at all could at least be somewhat informed when they were making their vote. If you're for it, that's fine. And I understand that there are a lot of programs that benefit from this situation. I get it. I just don't think it's, Oh, I've said this about a hundred times in the process of this. Are we fixing problems or are we shifting problems? That's, that's what I think it is. I think we're, Yes, we're fixing some problems in this situation for some programs, but I think we're shifting the onus of those problems to different programs in the state. And I, I, I just, if that's the case, then, I mean, are, are we really making it better for everybody or just better for some, um, you know, that's where I really kind of come down
3: on the issue.
0: Yeah. Mitch, anything else before we kind of, you know, look at these projections here? Um,
1: I, I apologize if we, if we talk about this, cause I know that this is also another proposal, but if, if the multiplier stays, how does that get factored in? I mean, would would you see? And I know we talked about this a little bit before about teams that are maybe bordering classes, but it, it, if that success factor is still applied, do you, would would you see teams switching districts every, every two
2: years or whatever the refresh is? Um, basically to I mean there was discussion of a change to the way that the multiplier was going to be calculated. that didn't make the ballot so okay everything everything that is applied now um basically remains the same like all the multipliers are the same. The formula for how we calculate multipliers going forward stays the same um the success formula stays the same, so. For example, people were asking a lot in the state finals, you know, do we, do we get the, you know, since Nazareth has won back-to-backs and Mount Carmel has won back-to-backs, do they get moved up a class by success formula? No, they don't because it's not in the two-year window. So it resets after each two-year window. So now that number starts over again. And that's, I understand how that's confusing to some people, but basically all the things that are in place to sort the teams by enrollment currently stay in place in this system nothing changes in regards to how multipliers are calculated the only way that any of that could change would be as if someone suggested a bylaw change to how the multiplier is calculated and it goes through the legislative process it passes and then we go from there so all that stuff for how we get the teams where we get them is going to be exactly the same all right, well, let's start in the big schools
0: here. Class 8A and, you know, to a certain extent, also Class 7A here is a little bit more in our area with Moline and Quincy. But, man, I mean, I, it's it's pretty obvious when you look at that 8A district setup, you have all the collection of teams from Chicago and Chicagoland area, followed by Edwardsville, Belleville East, and there's one other school down there, Who? O'Fallon. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's the glaring thing right there. Um, what else stood out to you when you went through a day here? I mean, uh, as far as schools are grouped pretty nearby, what's the competitive balance look like?
2: It's not like if you were going to make me say, okay, which class do you think is most livable in this section? What could you live with the, the easiest? It might be this one. Now, yeah. there's obviously that glaring problem in District 8. Um, and I know that that with, you know, it's not fair to Manuka, Joliet West, Joliet Central, Plainfield. it is absolutely not fair to them to basically be telling them for all of time, you're going to be a district, you're going to be district partners with these because, I mean, if this is your map, this is your map. Now, I might be slightly off on that. They might end up taking one other team, but I think I'm, I think I'm on point. I think that's the way it would probably be done, um, and even if I'm not right and it is another team, um, that's still going to be a god awful commute for whoever that is. Yeah, it's yeah. just unbelievable. Go back to that discussion before. You can't leave those teams out on islands. You just can't do it. I saw somebody mock the the top 64 enrollment teams in football, and they took those teams out because they're like, well, it won't work that way. Well. What are we kicking them out of the IHSA? (laughs) What are we doing? I mean, they, they need to have a home just like all of the other 59 teams in this, in this classification. So that's the only way you can make it work. I mean, I suppose you could change up the teams and you could justify it in some way, but those by geography are the closest five teams to link with those three. It's it's, and that's where, that's where for all the arguments that you have about the conference system, that that's where the conference system really works. Like the Southwestern conference works for those teams there. I mean, there might be some teams that struggle more than the other, but from a logistics standpoint, it works so much better than this does because all it does with those Southwestern teams, you break them apart and they're all geographical outliers to everybody else. They all become these, these little rogue teams that you have to link into the other ones and cause road trips or, you know, massive trips for them coming back up this way. So yeah, that's, but other than that, it's yeah. the one, it's the one classification that I think you can look at it and say, okay, I see, I see how this could play out and be okay. I mean, I, I highlighted the playoff teams from this year. That's not a great indicator, I guess, long-term of how they, I have, I have a better indicator, but I won't go into that right now. It describes, but I, I do, I have a three year win metric and I have actually have it colored. So I show where it's like green and red, which means these are the teams that are historically good. These are the teams, this, this color pattern is not that bad. Like there's balance here, like okay. other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And,
0: and that's yeah, the so, thing. I,
2: yeah. I get back
0: to, there needs to be, some factor, I think, for competitive balance. Yeah, I think yeah. they have to take a look at that. And I'm, I'm worried that if this gets passed in this kind of rush setup, that they won't have time to get into that. And it's not drawn in right now, so it would have to be almost like, would they have to vote on a change to it? Or I don't know, like down the road, if they wanted to get to competitive balance model, how they would do that, how it would draft. It wouldn't help the travel any, but or it yeah. shouldn't. It would, it probably wouldn't help all the travel. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I just think there has to be something factored in there. Like you mentioned, kind of like long-term who's been playoff teams and whatever, looking at seven, a, you know, very similar issues. You, you, with a few more schools tossed in peak in a normal community in the middle of the state, Moline and Quincy on the Western side of the state. And then way down South Alton, Granite city, Bellevue West. Um, who else is in the Collinsville limp lumped in there, um, again we talked about it earlier the you know one of the biggest teams impacted here is quincy and moline from our area Two two programs that would be drastically you know affected here mitch yeah. this is probably oh go ahead
2: no it, it's like i said it but once again we get back to that discussion of hey these teams have to go somewhere yeah and i mean you're i'm not gonna have for example an alternative was like, okay, well, maybe you bring Bradley into that district instead of Moline. Well then Moline's still got to come all the way back to Chicagoland to get whatever district they're in. So either way, they're kind of out there on the Moline Island, at least when you're talking about seven a as a standalone. And that's what you have to get your head wrapped around. Yeah. Some of these schools are not on an Island, but they're, they're, their neighbors are six A's and eight A's and it doesn't work in the system. That's, the, the the lack of flexibility in it is what's going to crush it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mitch, I'm sure this is probably part of the reason, you know, on the bigger end of things, why you hate this district proposal is that it, it really eliminates the rivalries that we follow week, week in and week out in the Western Big Six. And it just, it creates these schedules that, I don't know, no offense, it, it doesn't do anything for me to see Alton, Belleville, Belleville West, Collinsville, Granite City coming to Moline every year. It doesn't do, it. it doesn't matter to me
1: and it's a four-hour trip well yeah like yeah it's it just doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and then again it's it's to coach Morrissey's point that it's just going to kill them financially whether they host that game no one from Granite City's coming up at that game not they they won't get the crowd that they get from a UT game from a Rocky game from a a whatever game yep so yeah it's just these teams that are on islands it 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 sucks for them and it also sucks for the teams that have to be pulled in with them. Yeah. So yeah, this is again, situations like this, I, I feel like the, um, the negatives of, of situations like this outweigh the positives of some of the other things that we've talked about. Some of the pros here, I, I think cons such as this play a bigger role into the stability of, of the I system.
0: Seuss, what's your general sense as far as some of these bigger schools? Do they want it? Do they not want it? I mean, I look at, I guess, one of the questions that, what, but prompt me to ask the question based on like Chicago Catholic League schools. You got, you know, St. Rita, Brother Rice, you know, being separated and you looked around the list and they're kind of all spread out,
2: obviously. Does that, what do they think about it? I, I don't think in general, they're in favor of it at all. Um, I And I get the general sense that, it This doesn't apply for everyone, but I think the la- a large chunk of Chicago land is not for this policy yeah um I think most of the genesis of that comes from situations that this is creating. It's like you just mentioned Brother Ice Saint Rita, and Mount Carmel are split in this projection uh while I'm sure they don't necessarily enjoy bashing one another one another's heads in on a regular season, I think they'd rather be playing one another um you know than Playing, for example, the district that I have, Saint Rita and Mount Carmel in, with that has Argo, Kenwood, Lincoln Park, Oak Lawn, Revis, and Whitney Young along with them. No offense to any of those schools, and Kenwood's been a pretty good public league school, but that's not nearly the schedule that Mount Carmel and Saint Rita are accustomed to playing. It's not the schedule that they want to play,
0: and it's just not. It's not bringing in those, you know, those traditional year in and year out rivalry type games or those, those marquee matchups, right? That's what the Chicago Catholic league produces. You're going to miss out on some of those inevitably. Mitch, what do you got? I was just
1: going to say that you can, you know, we're talking about Nazareth winning the title. You you can talk all you like about what class that they should play in or whatever. I don't think they win that title, regardless if they don't play the schedule that they played playing the opponents that they did. I mean, that, that says something that they were four and five and the, the talent that they played, um, put them initially in maybe a a tough spot sitting there four and five, but in the end, how can you argue against it? That those types of games prepared them for that run and to win that title again.
0: Yeah. Moving, you know, moving along to six. A I actually, I I thought the six a district that was drawn up with our local schools wasn't quite as bad as maybe what I thought it might be um yeah you have it's district seven according to your mock-ups here seuss dunlap out of the peoria area with united township galesburg normal west peoria high richwoods rock island and washington so pretty much a you know peoria quad cities kind of conference with the you know um normal
2: west thrown in there that is an Yeah, this is one of my, this is one of the maps though, that like, while you're saying it doesn't look that bad for you, it drives drives me bananas because it has something that I don't ever believe that the IHSA would actually do, but I can't find a solution for it. Look at Bloomington and Normal West. Oh, you're right. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's crazy.
2: Tell Tell me how to do it differently. You have to have eight in each one. What do I do?
0: Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, yeah. Go look at that six a map and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely kind of stuck there based on the teams in six a, where do you go? Yeah. What do you do?
3: What's the
2: solution? I mean, that's what, I mean, I, I can, I can find one in my head. It's kind of weird, but I mean, but it involves like potentially moving East Moline and, you know, and, push them over to one um, but then I got to move other teams around and you know it's it doesn't logistically work it's very and this is where I get in the whole rigid eight number that's because like I don't genuinely believe they would split normal west and Bloomington but I also can't come up with a solution that that doesn't have them doing that yeah can't come up I've tried I've looked at it for an hour, just staring at it
1: yeah, and just looking at especially that seven and eight that you have there. I mean, East St. Louis is kind of the outlier where you have to go so far to the west where you're having teams in other districts just so much closer.
2: I mean, I I suppose in theory you could end up doing some sort of weird east west line, but um, but that's I mean I I mean I guess I can see one right now, but I I'm trying to figure out how. No, I I didn't no, I'm lying to myself. I can't. I'm like I'm looking at it and it's just. You know, you got that three clump around Springfield. You got East St. Louis down there that has to be dragged in Centennial and Danville have to go somewhere. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wacky little thing. I mean, that, that you, you can't do it without driving over someone and not making, it doesn't make sense. So that's, that's where you get into this. whole when we had that discussion earlier about you think to yourself, oh, these are the eight teams that are closest to me. Well, okay but they're not the eight teams closest to someone else. So that's, it It, it just kind of becomes this chain reaction when you're, you're trying to put together maps. But <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. From your perspective, it looks reasonable. But then when you take into that that other little element there, eh, maybe it doesn't. I do just, do?
0: I had not even noticed. Yeah, that normal West, I hadn't even seen that until you called out the map. So
2: yeah, every time I look at six, eight, <laughs> I, I, I have I a blanch. I'm just like, oh, well, I yeah. don't like the way that looks, but I have not I have yet to come up with a solution.
0: So looking at uh, 5A, so 5A was what stood out to me when I read through it initially, because Geneseo sitting there at 5A, you explained earlier how they end up in 5A, which makes total sense. They are paired up with Sterling, which I think they got to love. Those two have been rivals for years. They've stayed together conference wise over the years. They both moved to the Western big six at the same time. So I think they have to be thrilled with that, um, with that pairing there. And ultimately for them, for both schools, it does match them up with schools that are fairly close. And obviously enrollments are fairly close because that's the whole point here. So the district setup, I think does work for Sterling and Geneseo, right? Mitch. I mean, it doesn't help us any because they're not playing local schools to us, but it does work for them. I can see why they would like it.
1: Well, those are—is that some of the schools of the former NU, N.I.C. conference there?
0: The yeah, what it would you have, have been bit. the N.C.I.C. or the the big the
1: CIC, was it yeah. northern
0: was it N.I.B. the Northern Illinois Big Twelve or something? It was... I don't remember.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it's <laughs> (laughs) yeah you you see similar opponents there so Rochelle
0: was definitely in it Sycamore was in a conference with Sterling at one point so yes
1: yeah so for for them it's it's not awful I wouldn't say
0: yeah how about um how about a chance to see Metamora and Morris in the same district that is you know depending on the year you're talking about two of them and Muhammad Seymour who drafted up, you know, was a big one who drafted up the proposal. Um, that's an interesting one. And what do you think Seuss Joliet Catholic thinks about the potential of being put there in district five?
2: <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that's going to be well-received. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I guess kind of jumps off the page at me in five a is you talked a lot about District 1, and I think, I don't know this for a fact, but, but I was, it was kind of confirmed to me, we're probably still, unfortunately, staying in 1 to 16s. So I drew these districts with the idea that 1 through 4 are your North Districts, 5 through 8 are your South Districts. Yeah. So that's the way that I did this here. And when I look at District 2, District 3, and District 4, boy, there's just not a lot of depth in those divisions. Look at district three. Yeah. For example, I mean, Glenbard South was a, a pretty solid football team this year, but they also had a Notre Dame recruit at wide receiver that kind of brought them up to a level above what they're used to, but that's Nazareth and St. Francis and a whole lot of mess in yeah. district three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then four is, Oh my gosh. Like, we had four playoff qualifiers, but two of them are from the public league. That division is guaranteeing that two public league schools are qualifying every year, if that's the way it held up, um, you know, and and, the, and there are good public league teams. I'm not saying there aren't. Morgan Park in District 5, yeah. very good. That group is not a very good cross-section of public league schools, but every year, there's going to be two qualifiers out of there, and then there's also going to be two schools that are going to qualify every year, no matter what. Evergreen Park and Saint Lawrence will make the playoffs every single year if that yep. that this is sketched out. Yeah, they they will never fail to make the playoffs. Yeah, and, and y- yeah,
0: and you just mentioned it, and I <laughs> I want to go on a tirade here. If we st- how can we possibly justify staying? 1 through 16 brackets when we're potentially looking at passing something where teams are traveling around the state every week of the regular season how we can't
2: justify that there's no way it's ridiculous well i was i was a little flippant when i asked somebody on the proposal on whether or not why that wasn't an addendum included in there because it seems to be this is what everybody wants yes so if you have the opportunity to put that on there, just throw it on there as a writer and it goes through and then it's out of the IHSA's hands because if this proposal is going through, if that's part of the proposal, then we have to do it. And I, oh I, I think, I, I think they just kind of caved on it and said, well, well, we'll leave that to the IHSA's discretion. That's how it was described to me. So Ugh. they had the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, no, this is what we want. And they didn't do it. So. Um, it's still at the IHA's discretion. And I still believe that they're going to continue to do it the way that they're doing it. And there's no way they can justify it. There's no rationale to justify it anymore. If we end up, if
0: this district gets approved, uh, Mitch, you are so close to having a silver lining for a district proposal that you don't like. And it, it's not, it's been taken away. Even that I don't think would have, if that was even, if that was part of this, I don't
1: think I would change my stance on it though.
0: Oh you know, yeah, I figured but um
1: it would it, it, now if it passes it would it would change it would be something sure, but it, it still wouldn't be like, well, okay, that's good, it just yeah, I, I don't think you could change my mind on it truthfully,
0: yeah, all right, anything uh anything that stood out to you, Seuss in 4 a as we go down any kind of outliers or different things that were weird here
2: well, I mean the biggest one for me is once again Again, it's another one of those situations where um, we've got an influx of public league schools and historically a lot of not really good ones. And I, so, and I think this is where you start to see some situations where you can lock in a couple of schools before the season even starts and into the playoffs. I mean, like even... I see Catholic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and Icy Catholic does not want to play that schedule. No, that's what I was just going to say. They can't like this. Like, they're. I mean, you know what? their what their drawing card is is you know we're trying to develop you know our program to the point where you know we're going to be producing college level caliber athletes, and yet they're going to be playing. You're going to be playing a quarter, and I and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. We're playing a quarter before they they've run out their freshman team because that's the level of competition that we're talking about here. I mean, that schedule would be potentially ridiculous. And then, you know, does it get much better in District 3, District 4? You don't have the clear outlier like you do with IC Catholic, but, I mean, whole city. I mean, you you, can, you want to give them a District 4 championship plaque for the next – Automatic. I mean, wow. I mean, that's where we're at. And then, you know, that – that's what I look at here. And that's where I get really troubled is, um, you know, it's the same. It's, it's a similar argument to got to put them somewhere. They're involved, but I think a better way to go about this would have been to say, okay, we're going to dedicate. We've got, we've got 16 public league schools in this. We're going to dedicate two divisions to them. It's not ideal, but, interspersing them amongst the other schools is damaging in two ways both to the strong programs that have to play them and the weaker programs that have to compete in those situations yeah it's why separating the cpl as we do right now is the best thing for everyone involved yeah because no offense to them you know i'm for everyone playing football that they can but History has shown over and over and over again. We've got so much evidence to this point. They're not ready to compete at that level. This system would force them to. And that's not great. Because not only are the playoffs for the problems that they have, those are at least the teams that proved that they were at least okay enough to get five or six wins. In some of these situations, you're drawing IC Catholic with teams that haven't won game three years.
3: I mean, yeah. yeah.
2: That's, I mean, it, the, that's why I'm saying when I advocate for the conference system, that's what I advocate for. It has done a pretty decent, not in all accounts, but a pretty decent job of ferreting out and and kind of shifting teams to where they largely belong. Yeah. This system takes none of that stuff into account. It just it doesn't take any of it into account, and that's where I have a lot of problems with it.
0: And you referenced it, I think, earlier, but. The Chicago Public League, you don't get the sense wants anything to do with the district football model.
2: I don't think they do. Um, but also the thing that you have to keep in mind, and I and I don't mean to slight anyone there, but history also shows that they have not been real invested in the voting. They're just kind of like whatever whatever hand you deal us, you deal us, and you know we'll we'll do whatever. And so they don't often they don't often. Like I would think if they voted in a block and said, hey, this is what we believe, they could engineer just about almost any topic that they wanted to. There there are 85, 90 schools in the Chicago Public League that if they voted as a block and said, this is what we want, they could steer almost any legislative thing that comes along. But they don't do that because if you notice in past votes, we don't, we don't have a full threshold of all the schools that are playing football that actually voted. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Yep. I don't know where the votes are coming from, but a lot of times I know where they're not coming from. So that's what it really comes down to. But yeah, do I get the, there are a few like, and they tend to be the better programs that are like, sure, we'll take on this challenge. I know for a fact, I know Morgan Park is for it. They want it. Yeah, because they want that level of competition, and they can hang. They can hang in their district. If I had to project right now, who gets out next year in that district, I would pick Morgan Park. I would say they would get out of District Five. They would qualify, but, but I don't think all the I could I could say that about very many other Chicago Public League schools in this situation. Yeah, we talked about obviously IC Catholic.
0: You know their potential setup here. On the opposite side, Rochester is down there in district six in the mock-ups. I'm not exaggerating. I struggle to find a team on either side that could challenge IC Catholic or Rochester year in and year out. I just think if yeah. these if these districts hold, I think you see that state championship every year.
2: I think you're probably right. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. And, and I've talked to Coach Leonard about this at Rochester, and it's it's one of the reasons that he's he's not on board with this. Yeah, He he doesn't want it because they've cultivated a schedule where they play 5A, 6A teams all season long. Um, And, you know, some of them give them a little bit of a push. Um, Sacred Heart Griffin obviously gives them a little bit of a push, and they would still play them in a rivalry game, I'm sure. But not the same thing like we were talking about before. But it's just – You know, even when you look at district six, as I have it drawn six of those eight teams qualified for the playoffs, but I have no doubt in my mind, if you said project it, what do you think is going to happen? Rochester goes on the one line and they go on the one line every year to start the season for as long as if we're doing this system for as long as we do it.
0: Yeah, that's what stood out to me as soon as I looked at it. Like, all right. In 3A, we got a lot of schools from our area here. District one, uh, Byron the state champion, uh, defending state champion, they would be in a district with Dupec, who we've covered from the Northwest Upstate Alliance. I obviously know them very well. Genoa, Kingston, Marion, Central Catholic, North Boone, Oregon, Stillman Valley, Winnebago. That's an interesting dynamic for Dupeck, who's been playing in a 1A, maybe 2A and NUIC, mainly 1A, and they've always kind of been up in 3A when they co-op, a very good program and they've been on the threshold of being almost like a great, you know, quarterfinal type program, um, but this would certainly be a step up, you know, in competition. At least looking at step up as far as enrollment wise, they play a very tough 1A schedule, but this would be a tough 3A schedule.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's definitely kind of an interesting situation when I look at this, and this is another classification where, man, some of the some of the lines are really strange. District three just looks really weird to me on paper. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I mean, and you see Wilmington in there. They're another one of those teams that's affected by that little push up that we were talking about before. They're out of two A. They're into three. They've been a bubble team for a while, but the 64s put them clearly in three. But I mean, that's, you know, I was talking to one of the coaches in District three about it today, and he's like, if I need a reason to vote against this, this is it. And I said, well, no guarantee, but he's like, I mean, even if they adjust it slightly, it's probably not going to be something we really want to do. Like, and that's kind of where I'm at because I might be wrong about which teams are put in district two and district three individually, but it's not like you're going to take a couple of teams out of district three and put them in district eight. I mean, the deviation is not going to be that wide. I mean, I could see a way that maybe, maybe they slide into that district four and some teams get moved around, but we take out a district for that's where you get into this interesting thing like somebody's got to go with those teams and you know you talked about montini before i mean let's look at yeah you know in the grand scheme of things um there's not a single team in there based on that montini doesn't run in clock on a weekly basis yeah
0: that's that's another one you know similar to that ic catholic you know district that we referenced Mitch, what do you think about um, uh, Princeton's draw here? So it's uh, Dwight, Erie Prophetstown, Mendota, Prairie Central, who's you know been a good program over the years. Reed Custer, Seneca, who we've seen firsthand, is a very good program. And Sherrard seems to be kind of on the rise. It's an interesting draw for Princeton.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a tougher district than the division that they're in now, um, since you're bringing in a little bit of uh, – bigger schools, same size schools as them, I should say. Obviously, seeing them in Reed Custer every year would be great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seeing them in Seneca every year would be great. And then to have uh, some of those traditional uh, track opponents like Erie, Prophetstown, Sherrard, Mendota, hanging around there. Um, Again, some familiarity there. Um, Same thing with with kind of Dupac there in in proposed district one where you're adding them kind of into the big northern a little bit um they they just played three big northern teams in the playoffs so yeah you know um but but yeah i think just going back to looking at proposed districts like this one in 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 3a with with lombard playing a lot of or, or that district made up of cpc teams or wilmington the same thing or even in 4a where we're talking about it where it's even worse it's just you see these examples and i i hope that any, any coach, any school that has not voted yet is looking at these <laughs> on paper and realizing what this looks like because this is just, it's madness. It's, it's utter madness.
0: Yeah, it's weird to me getting back to Wilmington to see potentially Wilmington is pretty close to Seneca geographically. They're pretty close to Dwight geographically. And yet they're separated in the districts just by the way they fall, you know, and at, you, like you said, this is not a perfect, you know, projection, but it, it is weird to see that Wilmington's the outlier for as good as they are, they get in a district, you know, with, let's be honest, not as good of competition as what's right. sitting right next to them. So, and then, and then Monmouth from our area goes down South. They're, they're the, last team that kind of gets bumped down so do you see that holding i mean depending on seeing what you've looked at do you see that monmouth wouldn't have a way to get fit up in the north they'd have to go down south
2: i don't think that one's perfect that's yeah. the one where I can, I can easily kind of see a way in my mind where monmouth would switch to an orange dot and pray central would go to a blue okay I can see that. that's 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 just a a different interpretation of the map. Um, The reason that I do some of the things that I do with mapping is I'm trying to keep it like where there's not a whole bunch of trips for everybody. Like I'm trying to figure out the smallest circle that I can draw in a lot of ways. Um, And that might not be the way the computer chooses to do it. I could completely see that. I could see a situation where, like I said, you could switch those dots and make complete justification of that. Um, And it wouldn't be something where I'd be like, well, what are you doing? What's going on there? Um, There would be situations where I would shriek about something, but that wouldn't be one of them if that was what they did. Brink Sportswear
0: offers totally custom made to order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in Sublimated and Tackle Twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for Sublimated and $120 for Tackle Twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to BrinkSportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support.
2: The Quad Cities first and only fantasy football show for fantasy sake has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between the rock and Mississippi rivers. So tune into for fantasy sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 1130 AM on Facebook and YouTube.
0: All right, well, let's head to class 2A now, and that's where we have a lot of our teams, obviously, from the, you know, Three Rivers Athletic Conference, and you have Alleman, the the school we talked about at the very beginning of this episode, that the district format would really benefit them. I want to start there. In District 2, that's Alleman, Bureau Valley, Eastland-Pearl City, Mercer County, Orient-Riverdale, Rockford-Christian, and Rock Ridge. So... It's an interesting dynamic here when you're talking about Rock Island Allman being thrown in there, you have Rockford Christian being thrown in there, but then it's a lot of schools that, you know, we're very familiar with from our part of the state, Mitch. What did you think when you saw this district and the way it was drawn up?
1: Yeah. So in this, in this particular one here in two, we had three um, schools that responded to our survey with a four vote. That would, that would be Riverdale Allman and Rock Ridge. Um, and looking at it, and specifically looking at, at Sam Graves with Rockridge, he brought up a good point that, you know, in his in his time, the track has really gone through a lot of changes. Um, call it turmoil, call it growth, whatever you want to call it. Um, a traditional 1A, 2A conference is kind of getting into a little bit more 2A, 3A. You get the Kiwanis in there, you're getting into the 4As. You know, his, his point was that in his time, they've lost – Amboy Fulton, Saint Bede Morrison, and Bureau Valley in that time they've gained Princeton Kewanee Hall Mendota, Mercer County coming in this year so his his point being that the landscape is not what it has been and I, and again this 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 point is where a lot of these smaller schools are coming with the uh with the yes vote or, or the yes kind of mentality that they would play those like sized enrollment schools. Um, and it would stop this, this conference realignments every year. Um, so yeah, we would see if that again, mock district, we would see a lot of familiar teams. It would put all in, in a much better situation playing smaller schools. Yep. Um, it would realign Bureau Valley a little bit better with teams that they're used to playing um bringing EPC in in that mock up too so yeah again a handful of coaches in this particular mock up district w- would all be in favor of this sort of setup
0: yeah soos looking around uh class 2a was there anything that caught
2: your eye you know other than a few weird mapping things i kind of like 2a i'll be okay. honest yeah I, I mean i think there are a couple of strange things and it's based on the fact that you got to have eight, um, you, you know, the eight team and a couple of them, especially in Southern Illinois, it's like, mm, I don't know what to do here. Uh, kind of hit into a little bit of a, but you know, although I don't think district one is very competitive, at least it doesn't create a geographical mess because there are eight of them. Yeah, So they fit cleanly there and while I don't think any of them, to be honest with you, will be much of a factor once we actually get into the postseason, um, at least they're not causing a mess in the other districts. Um, so that I kind of like. And I kind of like the breaks in most of the other districts, like where it factors out. So then, so you know what this means. The actual districts will look nothing like this. (laughs) (laughs) That you won't like them as much when they get drawn up. That's what, you know, that's what ultimately will happen here. So, um, and this is another thing that goes back to, you know, hinging on, you know, the teams that I pulled, that I get them right. You know, when I added to make five twelve here, this is where it really starts to get interesting because these districts are pretty precarious. You throw a wild card in here, say, for example the small I don't know who it is off the top might have to look but what happens if the smallest 3A school needs to come down to 2 to fill a vacancy because I, I guessed wrong at one of these teams all this map gets blown up yeah where is that where is that team where where does it show up on the map where does a you know if i had to put another team in there right now in, in my program that i use a red star would pop up on the screen, which means it's an unqualified district team. Where does that star show up? Yeah. What yeah. Did that... I, what did I take down? That's, that's when this gets really complicated. <laughs> so that's where it comes at. Because it's like in 2A, I learned today that one of the teams on this field is likely not going to be in this procedure because they're going to go to eight-man so just by knowing that fact this changes wow okay um someone has to replace them
0: interesting yeah and that's that's a bigger question that we didn't really address earlier is that you know as eight man continues to grow is there something that's going to lock these schools in for two years where they can't leave if we go on a two-year basis which we kind of assume they will will they be locked in or can they say after one year of the you know cycle day nope i'm dropping eight man and then what happens to your schedule then
2: i don't think i like that's what that's the thing i don't think you can do that i think you would be like you you can't tell a school oh you have to play 11 man football what what yeah it's would you just be putting it into a forfeit loop that's that would be what it would be yeah so looking at district
0: four it's a lot of the um, Lincoln land conference that was newly formed this year with Elmwood, Brimfield, Farmington, Illini West, Knoxville, Lewistown co-op and Mendon unity, Tremont and West Hancock. So overall that stays pretty close to what we had seen, um, you know, a few variations in there, but if that were to hold, that wouldn't be too much of an adjustment for, you know, those schools out of the, out of the Lincoln land. And, Overall, Mitch, I think the Lincoln land conference is one of the ones that I'm kind of, if a district were to pass, I'm kind of disappointed for them because they just found what I think is a really good, you know, working football conference where they merged in and divided bigger and smaller schools. And I think it, based on the first year, I thought it worked really well.
1: Yeah. And that was, that was the comment from some of the coaches that we, we got back was that they, they did like it it's already split into big school and small school. Um, I think, I think Bureau Valley would be put in a bad spot. um, Staying on the large school side, but that would be, that would be mute in this model. But yeah, for for the, for the most part, it it would kind of retain some of that. Um, You know, I'm looking at that proposed district three and that's, those are all playoff teams. (laughs) I mean, Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, I think five of those eight made playoffs.
2: Kind of falling on the on hard times over the last couple of years, but make it. And Ridgeview took a step back this year. So looking at that, you're thinking three or four years ago, oh my god! Like like you're looking at in in current times, there's only four teams that made the playoffs this year. So, but I think.
1: uh, I was just to say same thing in kind of district five where you could potentially have Athens. If, if St. Teresa got back to where they were and, and rural Forsyth plus a Quincy Notre Dame team that is always pretty good in two A. That's a really good district too.
0: I wonder what Quincy Notre Dame thinks about um, the district format. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't send them a message and I should have, but um, that's a school that similar to Quincy high school They're on, you know, they're on kind of an outlier and I know I remember way back when we talked to Matt Shuckman, we asked him about district play and he did not, he did not think he wanted it right from muddy river yeah, sports, he, Matt Shuckman. Yeah, we just asked yeah. him if he thought that Quincy would want it. And he did not think so. Um, and so, but I, Quincy Notre Dame is an interesting case because they've kind of batt- struggled to find a conference home. So.
2: Well, now that now they kind of have one. So. Yeah. they're Going into the central state eight as that 12 team now. So. Um, I don't know how great of a fit that is for them, but they do at least have a home now. Cause I mean, they they played more schools from Missouri last year than teams from Illinois. So yeah, actually, they, I'm sure they would, ra- they would rather not do that. But, uh, but you know, I think I, I, I can't speak for them, but I think this would probably be preferred to their, I mean, mm. to the situation that they're going in, but it might be a coin flip type of situation for them.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, in class 1A, we'll talk about it, but Seuss, you wanted me to remind you that you had a wrinkle in 1 and 2A, so I want to bring that up. Have we talked about it yet?
2: No, we haven't. So okay. this is I asked several people in, in Augment to this is, what if I'm wrong? What if we're not going to add 12 themes to this equation? What would be the possible solution? And they Some said, you know, okay, we would take it, we'd we'd crank everybody down to 62, and there'd be neighboring districts of seven where you could play a crossover. That was one thing that was discussed. The other thing that was discussed is we fill eight, we fill seven, we fill six, we fill five, we fill four, we fill three, we fill two. What is left over is one.
0: So what what kind of numbers would you be looking at then? And
2: how would you do that? So your, the, the suggestion was that they, you'd essentially, since we needed 12 teams to fill this, there would be 12 less teams in 1A. I'm not saying that I agree with it or whatever. I'm just saying that it's possible that that would be the solution. So what you would need to do in that scenario is take the 12 largest schools in the 1A64 team group and remove them. They would go up the two A, and all those teams that I put in, yeah, still the draw would come out. So those teams would start matriculating into the spots left behind by those public league schools, and you'd be left with in this scenario, if that those numbers held 52 schools in 1A.
0: So then, what kind of breakdown are we looking at? Fifty-two divided by eight. Where does
2: that? I've been talking to the Stockton coach about this as a possibility. Yeah, Stockton go to two A. Oh, I'm sorry, Fulton. Fulton. Okay, Fulton. I've been talking to Patrick about this. So, in that this hypothetical, Fulton is a two A team. So you have to remove them, obviously, from the one A district. You have to figure out how you're going to group 52 teams because you can't have 18 districts. Yeah. Some it's going to be imbalanced. I'm just saying, I'm not saying this would be the solution. Yeah. I'm saying it was awkward as a possible solution. It, so you have to look at it and say, well, if that happens, and I, I think it's madness, but if that was the way that they went, then throw district one out the window. Because that's not what you're getting.
3: Well, let's talk.
0: Yeah, let's talk about District 1, because that is very interesting. You have Dakota, Forreston, Fulton, Galena, Lena Winslow, Morrison, Newman, Central Catholic, and Stockton. Mitch, you've got to be kidding me when I tell you that teams are going to be left out of the playoffs here. Very deserving Mm -hmm. teams are going to be left out of the playoffs here when you start looking at even the districts you know around the rest of the state that there's not there's just going to be teams that are deserving to be in the playoffs it's like we talked about that imbalance here it just, this doesn't work for me this does not work for me no
1: go go back the last 20 years and the majority of the state championships would have come from teams in those districts in that district yeah Either, either in 1A or, or 2A, I guess, with, with Newman and Morrison. Morrison's were both 2A. But Lena, uh, Lena, Galena, and Dakota's were 2A. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think I said earlier, I think I counted 24 state championships in that district. So to, to yeah. think that, you know, you're going to leave at least one and potentially two. Out of the playoffs, where they would beat anybody—not anybody—but they would beat Fisher in District Four, and, and Fisher could get in. It well, just, it's at, nonsense. It's nonsense.
2: And this argument right here next to it, because technically this would be their neighboring district in this situation, and right District Two and One A, and I have this stat that I use as a win metric collectively that has the worst win metric of any district in the state in any classification. Really? That is the, that is the district two has the worst one. That's the worst one right there.
1: Oh, wow. And, and, you know, hope, hope, hope had a great year, right? I don't know what they bring back, but yeah. That's...
2: Yeah. You pull it, you put together those eight teams as a group and figure out their number. It's the worst one in the state of all that's, the one, all yeah. the six well, districts.
1: And, and, that we and and in, in that proposed district, if you look at Rockford Lutheran, they, they've they made the playoffs the past couple of years. They've lost to an NUIC team every time. So it's just like,
0: I, oh God. yeah. <laughs> Mitch needs more Tylenol. He's got that headache.
2: Yeah. Um, I thought I, I, I had district two combined for four wins last year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to say
1: four of those teams in playoffs.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then when you start looking at, yeah, the the gauntlet that is that District One, yeah, it just, uh, yeah. Um, District Three, I think on the other side, I think District Three works out really well for the schools involved. You have Anna on Weathersfield, Stark County, Rova Williamsfield, Princeville, Monmouth United, and Abingdon that are all common conference opponents currently right. in the Lincolnland small side of things. But then you toss in Saint Bede. And Fieldcrest is kind of the interesting one there that I I was. Have they always been one a Seuss? They've been up higher usually, right? They
2: are right around that
3: border. Okay, line. yeah. They
2: constantly flirt with that line. Um, they are. They usually sit right around three hundred usually, and that's they have been higher in the past. Their enrollment was one of those schools that kind of took a little dip. And it, it's it's the same thing that kind of ha- I don't know if it's a region thing. It's the same thing that kind of happened with Clifton Central, for okay. years and years and years. Two A program, there was an enrollment dip that pushed them down into the one A line. So there were there were five or six schools that like did that this year, and I don't know the reasoning for it. But those are two of the schools that like yeah you're right. Usually you think of them in the two A mindset, mm-hmm. but now they're one A. So yeah,
0: yeah. So
2: there it is. I
0: mean, that's, you know, that's the eight classes kind of all projected out and how the districts would look. It's not perfect, but Seuss, I give you a ton of credit because there are people around the state looking for, you know, answers to, you know, looking for any sort of clue to what they might be voting on. And this is a huge resource here. Overall, in general, what did you think when you drafted all this up? Was it what did you expect going in and then what was the results, you know, coming out?
2: You know, I think one of the things that I really kind of had to wrap my head around when we were talking about this before is to kind of wash away the classifications that I'm used to people being in because there was going to be some changes here and I knew there were going to be some changes here because of what we talked about before, but um, the one thing about the conference system that it does is if you have a 4A, 5A, 6A six conference, where those are the schools together, doesn't happen every time, but usually the better teams are the 6, the 5A teams. You might have a little jump around, but usually you can kind of mark it by enrollment when you have like that big of a gap sometimes in enrollment. And that's the complaint here is that, you know, we're, the teams that are in those conferences as the smaller schools are like, we can't get out of this hole that we're in. And as long as it's like this, we're, we're not going to see any change. Um, But the crossover to that is just because you're moving into that, you know, more like enrollment, doesn't necessarily mean that all your problems are just going to vanish away. Like, you might just run into a bunch of programs in this system that are the same size as you, but still better than you. Like it becomes, and that was kind of the dynamic that I kind of had to wrap my head around. The biggest problem that I experienced were a lot of times you look at this map, you look at the dots before I colorize them. And the best solution for districts was there are seven teams here. There are six teams here that belong together but I need to figure out a way to get these four that are over here. So not only am I inconveniencing the four teams that I kept in that district with the outlier four, I'm also screwing over the other two that are more natural fits with the four that I just took out to make that district. So that's where the conference system is superior because you can flex it in a way that makes it work for the teams that you have there, you can form a 16 conference, you can form an 18 conference, you can form two divisions of six teams, you can do a lot of different things. The rigidness of eight, you get there were numerous situations where you look at these maps, there are nine dots that are perfectly affixed in an area with one another, and yeah, gotta pull someone from that group because I need. Nine doesn't work, and it's just that's where you get into it. And then the other layering to this, and like I don't know what the solution is. Like if if we end up going to a district situation, and I I haven't I haven't figured out what I think the best solution would be here. People ask me that all the time. Well, if you were in charge of it, what would you do? Um, I think one of the things that I would do, and and I don't know if this would fly, but since we're throwing stuff against the wall and see if it sticks, let's try this. Um, I think we should put 1s and 2s together, 3s and 4s together, 5s and six. The gaps are not that wide, especially when you, you consider about, you consider, hey, let's designate everybody, everybody in the classification that they want, all right, okay, and then just put them in these 1s and 2s districts, and then the best- 32 teams that come out of that process that are designated one a are your playoff qualifiers.
0: Yeah. I can see that
2: working. You finish fifth in a district that has that you're in as a one a, if your metrics set, if you were five and four with 32 playoff points, and that's one of the best teams that was designated as one a, you go in like it would give more flexibility. It would, eliminate the needs to stick to these hard numbers of 10 or just it, it would give you more chances and opportunities to form smaller groups and it wouldn't be so rigid like i mean i don't know if i would have to flesh this out but that's something that i've always kind of been kicking around in my head Is like the thing that makes me kind of scream about this is we want to be in like enrollment in 2a do you know the gap between the smallest 2a school and the largest 2a school nope 89 students wow
0: yeah yeah so right. you, yeah it's
3: not very You're wide
0: not, yeah mm-hmm. so when we're looking at this one question that i meant to ask earlier when we form depending on the number we end up with if it's 512 we obviously know what we're getting that's the goal i think or that's the idea i should say but if we don't have that does every every class has to have each district with the same number correct
2: well i think what would have to happen in that situation is you would have to drop let's just say just for sake of argument you would have to drop um six let's just say we we let's just say we have 500 we don't don't add any of the public schools let's just say that my suggestion in that scenario would be how how, did, how would you do with this? Okay, I would suggest like this. You do one of your IHSA drops, your little P drops that they do to set the brackets. Two classes stay at 64. Random draw, all right? The other six go to 62, all right? And each of the, then you take two districts and make them 17 districts, all right? Yeah, and then you put the neighboring each other geography wise. So then the teams that have a bye week on that week simply cross over against the other neighboring district to fill that. Game. Okay. Okay. Then it holds the district standings. It just it just gives you a scheduled game, so you don't have to take a bye or a loss in that situation because it would be unfair to count the crossover game because. Everybody would have different crossover opponents. It would also screw up your tiebreaker.
3: Okay. So,
2: so that would be that would be my solution if you said, "How do you fix this?" That would yeah. be what I would suggest that you do. If you have 500 teams, if you have 498, then you take, you take one p out and keep it at 64 and make the other yeah. one 62. Like that would be my solution if anybody asked, nobody's going to. I've <laughs> clearly designated that. But it's, but that would be the way that I would do it if asked. Like the the one a two a thing that I was talking about before, I I'd, I'd want to hang that up with a noose. I mean that would just uh, that would want want me to just uh, I don't know what I would do in that situation because I don't know how you make that designation. But the biggest challenge I think in that situation would be figuring out the most fair way to decide who goes up, who stays down. Um, and I think that's the fairest solution in that situation.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I hate the idea of just, you know, working your way down and then 1A just gets the scraps, whatever's left. Like that seems yeah. so, I mean, just like a slap in the face to small schools. Like that, it doesn't really matter. We'll just leave you with whatever's left. Like that seems and, and, wrong and to me.
2: The other kicker to that is is like then you could have other classifications that are like, well, well, hey, wait a minute. We have 32 non-qualifiers to the playoffs, and these guys only have eighteen. What the hell bro?
3: yeah, <laughs> like
2: you know, I mean that's yeah like that that's where that kind of de- the rubber doesn't hit the road for me either, because yeah, like you have the lessen the number of teams and districts, you'd probably end up getting into a situation where you have six team and seventeen districts, and then you then you've got messy situations where you might have i here's here's a terrifying one for you. If you have 16 districts, there would be a scenario where you could get into the playoffs at two and seven. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that yeah. one for you. That one I, I know that one would want to uh, make your partner there pass out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I
0: saw that, that type of thing played out in the state of Iowa when I was covering high school football over there. I, I mean, I saw it play out that way. Um We have gone, we have gone long. This has been an absolute deep dive. Mitch, I'll get, and actually Seuss before we, uh, you said no one's going to ask you, you know, your thoughts, but I did, I did have a head coach say, if Seuss could do whatever he wanted, you know, what would he do? And you already kind of addressed it. You already kind of said what you would do if you had the, you know, had the reins to do scheduling regular season, postseason, all of it. So I, I think it's interesting. I think people are interested in what you think would work best.
2: I think if I did, if, if, if I was made the all-powerful warlord of IHSA football, I think I would work in the current system to try to get a better answer. Um, I, I think there are some fixes that could be made to the current system if everyone was open to it that would make it a better experience for a lot of people. I can't solve all the problems, but districts don't solve all the problems either. The current system doesn't solve all the problems we are not going to be able to create a system where everyone's going to be happy Yep. like it's just it's not it, it doesn't exist it does not exist um it, that that's the thing that frustrates me i think if we don't pass the district system what is going to have to happen moving forward is we're going to have to come up with some way to i guess the best word i can use to describe it is arbitrate issues. Because the problem that we're continually running into right now is everyone's chasing the five. I don't like that terminology, but more so than chasing the five, all programs seem to have a different interpretation of what a competitive football game is. Like I, I want a competitive game is what they tell me when they're looking for the game but they don't like the first five options that I give them that I think are competitive games. Like I'm trying to find a solution for you. You're trying to find the perfect path for your week three vacancy. I'm trying to tell you, there isn't a perfect path at this point. I'm trying to give you the best possible solution and get resistance. And then you end up teams going to Wisconsin and Michigan and they don't have to like, yeah, there are some situations that you have to go to Missouri if you're over by the Missouri border. But no, that you don't we're going to have to get into a situation where we say, "Okay, I can't find a week 2 game." And I'm not saying it's got to be me, it's somebody. I need a solution. Can you give me four options amongst the available schools that are here? And you're saying when you submit to this process, I'm going to take one of those four schools. Like yeah, yeah. Forward. But instead of this dance that goes on, because if we don't do this, there are schedule problems that have to be resolved. I'm I'm not blind to that. Yeah. I understand. Um, but people need to be more flexible when you are in need of a game than trying to like, like I I, I won't name a program name, but you know let's just say there's there's a one and eight team out there that doesn't have a week two game. We got to stop having this sharp feeding frenzy of every team that has a vacancy calling up the one and eight saying, yeah. play us, play us, you know, so that's got to stop. We got to yeah. start having some unions of these teams that, yeah, maybe it is a risk, but if there's another team that went four and five last year and you went four and five last year, guess what? That's that's a perfectly acceptable solution to an open date. Yep. Go play. Stop yep. looking for. Stop looking for that. I mean, maybe you'll win the game. Okay, like stop thinking in the, in the pejorative. You know, that's yeah. that. Like I said I know it's a problem. you know, like, at the end of the day, I hope that this this system does not go through. I think there are too many variables and too many things that are not answered. Um, and I think what will end up happening if it does go through is that there will be a bylaw proposal on next year's administrative legislative to reverse it and send it back. Like, and what, then we'll be back in this whole discussion again. Like, and I'd also like to know out of all of this stuff that that bothers me, people are complaining all the time about all these conference shifts and all this other stuff. Why do we have to have football teams and all other sports in the same conference. Yeah. Why does it have to be that way? Like I know some conference bylaws are written that way, but why does it have to be that way? Why That's a can't, great question. Why can not you build football only conferences and leave the rest of your stuff alone?
0: Yeah. I know that, um, you know, it has happened. It's not unprecedented. Um, <laughs> It's just yeah, you're right, it's it's rare, um yeah, well, that's what you're doing here y- yeah, mhm, absolutely, yeah, you just
2: call it a different thing, yeah, so why is it why is it okay if we're calling if it's district football, but it's not okay to do that in the conference system, I don't get it, I've never understood that,
0: yeah, well mitch i I know kind of what your thoughts are, but any any yeah. final thoughts as you as you look at all this, I mean, we've really we've you know we've broke it all down we've gone through every class you've seen it all now yeah yeah i
1: I think seuss's point to that we're just kind of shifting problems um or we're slowing them down is what we're doing right going to districts doesn't solve schools going through periods of low enrollment or low football participation so we're still going to have those problems you're still going to have schools that drop to 8a like seuss mentioned there's a team already out there who is unannounced who might do it yeah. You're still gonna have that. You're still gonna have schools that need to co-op. Districts doesn't solve that. Um, and so I just I've never understood what districts ultimately solves because I don't think it it relieves the IHSA the IHSA of some of the underlying issues that programs go through. And it's not the IHSA's fault, right? These are just things that communities go through, especially smaller communities, but or private schools that end up like Addison Driscoll, right? Those things happen. Districts won't solve that. So if, if, if I was king for the day, I would keep the model we have. I'd go one through 32 to balance the, the uh, competition a little bit. Once you get to playoffs, maybe you tweak the multiplier. So you aren't seeing all tough Catholic in one a, or you're not seeing Bloomington in two Um. And again, I just, I hope that if, if there's a school, a coach, an AD who has not voted yet with two weeks to go, one saw Seuss's article that finally put theory on paper, maybe they've listened to this show, other shows, whatever, that have painted a picture a little bit clearer now and realize that you cannot vote for this sight on scene. You can't do it. It will only make it worse. And like Sue says, then next year you'll have a bylaw proposal to revert back and it'll just be nonsense. So, again, I I hope there's enough momentum that the schools that are for it don't, they might not ever be in that mentality that, you know, staying in the current model is the best option for them. But I don't think that they ultimately realize the other side of that coin. So. We'll see what happens in the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, to wrap it all up for me, it kind of goes back to where this all started. I think there's just too many unknowns. There's just outside of these, you know, projections that have been drawn up, no one really has, you know, any concrete, you know, information. And when you take it a step further, no one has any answers to these questions. And if I'm an athletic director or a coach, a high school football coach trying to make this decision, again, I understand some schools it's a no-brainer. Some programs they can't wait to get into a district model because it it saves their program or it greatly enhances their, you know, competition and their ability to compete and it kind of levels the playing field for them. On the opposite side, I understand why some are terrified of this, why it's a completely bad fit, and it makes zero sense. And I think that somewhere in the middle, there's these schools that they could go either way, and maybe they like the idea of some parts of the district model, but I just think from what I've seen, even if you kind of like the district model, I just can't see it working for enough schools. There's just too many hiccups and too many unanswered questions with, you know, the the competitive balance, you know, when it looks at the strength of these districts, potentially, then if we don't have answers to these questions, I can't, I can't see going through with it. And I just don't understand how we can make a vote without, you know, without enough information with, you know, so Mitch, what do you- I, I,
1: I wish the proposal was to propose that the IHSA draw them up to, and then vote on that, right? The proposal would be for hey, can the IHSA draw up a potential district situation and yep. then the following year or whatever, they would vote on that. It it just seems like it's there's too many red flags with this that is trying to be pushed through to be implemented in eight months. It just doesn't seem right to me. There's something missing there.
0: Well, and the irony is is that you know they want to, a lot of people wanna push for district scheduling. So they kind of know, you know, year in and year out who their opponents are, where their opponents are coming from. But yet in this current situation, we're going to rush this through and not have an idea of who's playing who until what could be January, February Seuss.
2: Oh, I think it might even be later than that. And um, that's unbelievable to yeah. to, to, to not know what your schedule is going to be. We have to, I mean, we got to get it out there somewhat quickly because you've got a lot of legwork that you've got to do. You've got to make arrangements with some of these schools that you've never dealt with before. It's not as easy as just flipping your conference page over and going, okay, you're, you're at home. I'm at away." Right. I mean, you've got all these new relationships that you've got to build in some cases and all this logistical stuff that you have to figure out. Plus you, you, you still haven't relieved yourself of, of some scheduling responsibility still have to schedule those two games. And for some of these schools, it's a slam dunk. Some of the other ones, it's not, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find somebody. It's, it's still going to be this, all this stuff fundamentally for the most part has been done in the current system. So you, you might just look at your schedule and say, okay, we'll just go with the first two weeks. Well, maybe you can't do that because maybe that team is in your district now. Maybe it isn't maybe, maybe that team doesn't want to play you anymore. They want to play somebody else. So I mean, there's just stuff that needs to be done, but Sam himself admitted to me, he says, we got to wait for a lot of dust to clear before we put something out there. And I I know from experience, because usually this is when I start putting together, trying to put start piecing together my schedule for the next year, you know, pulling it together from wherever information that I can find. There are variables that do not get resolved in this until at the earliest April or May. Yeah. Like Chicago Public League, if you think you're gonna get a concrete answer from them on who's going to be playing um in February, I got some I got some Swampland to sell you. It's it's not gonna happen. I mean, that's just I mean, it's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I I just think if coaches are, are complaining or worried now about scheduling, oh boy, wait till you have to compete to schedule the other teams. Like we talked a lot about Moline and Rocky right well there's a bunch of teams that are going to be trying to schedule Rocky there's a bunch of teams that are going to be trying to schedule Moline that's not going to be a guarantee that those two teams play each other every year one of those two teams could get a better offer or whatever a better opportunity from somebody else Rocky had a down year maybe Moline doesn't want to play Rocky while they're down so that's not automatic so to, to think that the, the scheduling woes go away by doing this I think it almost makes them worse especially from like an NUIC standpoint where you're playing a nine game conference schedule. Well, now you have to find two games.
2: Yeah. I true. One thing that I will say for it, at least in that said, at least people will be less likely to be like, Oh, I'm not playing you out of fear sure. because right. at least, at least you're be, You'd be more open to, but there's still whatever we do still 250 pairings have to be made of teams right. in those two weeks. And right now, unlike the current schedule, which I don't know all the answers, but in most years, I'd probably have 175, 200 of those dates filled right now. I have zero of them filled now, like in the distance. None of them are filled. None of them are officially filled because nobody knows what district they're in. Nobody knows for sure what classification they're going to be in. So even having conversations about some of these games is kind of pointless.
1: Yeah. And each each passing hour, you would be there would be weeks already filled. While you're waiting for some team to say yes or no, there's six other potential opponents that already found their game while you're waiting for one decision. So like it's just it's it'll be impossible. It'll be impossible and it won't solve the problem that they're complaining that they have now.
0: Yeah. Again, I can see why some schools would want it, but in general, as I look at it it's, it's too many unknowns. And again, like we just have talked about the rush of trying to get it in next football season. It seems like a mistake. It seems like I, I, like you, you said it, you you said the phrase, Mitch, there's red flags there. Like, why are we rushing this? Why couldn't we have put it on as a proposal and said it will go in place in 2025. So we have plenty of time to draft something up, to take a look at it, and to get it, you know, to get it to its best possible solution. But I, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, that that isn't the plan. And I, I don't agree with that.
2: It's kind of funny too, because it's like, when I look at it, I'm like, it would just make logistical sense to try to plan this for the next two year enrollment period, because you're going right. to have all of these teams numbers that are going to change. Multi, the multiplier factors are going to change on programs. So all of these districts that we, that we craft are, Are only going to be accurate for one year. That makes no sense. Yeah, and you have to blow it up and start all over again, and have new districts for everybody. So you're not even setting up a two-year arrangement. You're just setting up a a one-year arrangement, and then next year your 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 entire district may change. So then you have to go back and reset all the relationships again, and because multipliers will factor in enrollments will change and with some of these borders so close and tight together you know 10 teams might swap classes like you might have 10 new teams in 2a and 10 new teams in 3a and then the maps get all swirled around and you're going to be doing that in for one year i mean because that's when the enrollment numbers change so that's that it to me that it just seems like there's a lot of things and I know why they did it the way that they did it. But there's a lot of things that I would have been like, if, if I truly believe this is improvement for Illinois high school football, I'll show you how it's an improvement. And then we'll implement it when we have the new numbers, the new multipliers, the new success formulas, all those things in place. And then we'll give you a a real look at what you're going to get, but nobody can do that right now. I can't do that right now. No one can do that right now. There's just too many wild variants in here to have such a rigid plan without caveats. Like this is what bothers me the most about this proposal. It was written very similar to the last one and it doesn't address, okay, what we do in this situation? It's leaving too much levity. And I don't even think the IHSA wants that levity. I think they're saying, please write us a proposal that says, well, what do we do in this situation? Because right. what's, going to end up, it, what's happening to the IHSA right now isn't really fair to them. Because no. people yelling at the IHSA for not doing all this work, it's not their responsibility to do this proposal for the people that are suggesting this proposal. If these people want change, then it's their responsibility to demonstrate what they want that change to be. Yep. Exactly. So people are chewing so, out the IHS paper, not putting out a mock. I don't know if that'd be their responsibility in this situation. It right. wasn't S- asked. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Send that yeah. to yeah. Muhammad Seymour. <laughs> yeah. oh,
0: okay. Yeah, well, if, that you that
1: point, if you want to point the finger as to the solution, we'll have the people who are proposing it. Draw it up. Not the yeah. IHSa. I mean, they're yeah. gonna to have to. You're forcing your hand now.
2: Yeah. Um, what, 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 if they, what, if they, what if they what if they what if they do something that you didn't want done? Right.
3: You can find yeah. Yourself
1: yeah. Um I was just gonna say what. So what happens next, Seuss? The 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 voting is open until the 18th, which is two weeks away. Yep. Will we know on the 19th? I mean, will yes. it be that quick? Okay. Yes.
2: The vote will turn around on the 19th. I was told that if it does pass do not expect anything quickly and when i say quickly like i don't expect to see actual districts until march that's that's the timeline that i believe it would be on
0: yeah Man, and that just seems crazy to me that you know for the clamoring for stability and to you know know who you're playing year in and year out and here we would go setting this up and having zero idea who you're playing which we already established so i don't know it's just a lot yeah you know it's just a it's a lot to understand to try to wrap your head around when there's you know very few answers you know in the proposal so anyway have we have we exhausted this i i can't believe Niche. we've had some long episodes but this this might be a record this is, here this
1: is pushing three hours yeah i this is <laughs> it's probably our longest one but maybe the most consequential one right in terms of yeah the impacts that we're talking about here, so it's important well, again i I don't know how many how many listeners that we have that'll make it all three hours, but I, I hope that it again gives proper insight to what is being discussed,
2: yeah, you did solve one mystery for me tonight, gentlemen. I didn't know if anybody could talk about this as much as I do <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about, you, want, you want to talk public private for another two hours <laughs> <laughs> that's that that. I'll happily I'll happily join in that debate whenever you boys decide to have it. I, I like I said I will I will talk about this stuff w- until I'm purple. It, yeah. I mean, it won't. It, I, I'll keep going. Like if if you said, hey, let's go another hour, I'm down. Let's roll. I love you it. Know. I
0: was, I was going to say you 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 got you,
3: depending depending on on going. Phone, we're going to have to.
0: Yeah, we we may we'll be back again. I think uh, hitting record on the nineteenth to break this all down and see what is decided, but. uh, no, Seuss, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Steve Susie from Friday Night Drive. This has been great. I appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate the projections you've drawn up and provided for everyone in the state. Like I said, it's a it's a compliment to support local journalism because that's where it's coming from. You know, if you're getting the answer, you know, if you're getting any sort of answers, that's where it's coming from. So great work there. Thank you for talking, you know, for staying up with us to talk through it.
2: Well, this is early for me. I got no problems. This is that I'm a night owl by nature. So I, I still got another two, three hours and me, I'm good. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I
0: followed along on some Friday nights that pushed into the, you know, 1am and 2am. So, and it's always an hour later for Mitch who records in Ohio. So he's, uh you know, he's always pushing the, you know. We're pushing 1 a.m., so that's it's fine. I'm like, suicide. It's, it's
1: I'm no out.
2: Of, I'm out of training though, because I actually train myself in the football season because I expect to be up till like three yeah. o'clock in the morning on Friday nights. But I'm out. Of, I'm out of shape right now because <laughs> I'm doing that as often as I usually do. But I'll be fine. But like I said, if this is the topic of discussion, like I said, I will go all freaking day if I if if I find willing participants that don't get tired of me and basically say, "Hey, shoes, shut up! I'm tired of listening." <laughs>
0: Well, we, we love to deep dive any topic here, and I'd say if uh, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And we're going to talk about it, so I think we did it right. This was a great conversation, and we did just talk public-private, but maybe sometime we'll have to invite you on to get your insights, because you see a lot of different things around the state that you know we don't see firsthand every every year and every every it's, week. So. This would just ignite it even
1: worse. The districts would just ignite it even worse.
2: Yeah. Your, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, He's absolutely right. There, there's the there problems that, that people have with the, the, you're forcing teams now, because now, now you're forced to play them. If you don't want to play them, you're forced to play them in the playoffs. Now you're forcing them to do it again. You're forcing them to play that in the regular season and then get to the playoffs and get and play them again. Um, And you don't want to do that. So if that's your program philosophy, I just don't want to deal with them. Well, now you're double forcing that upon them. So yeah. yeah it's only that that argument is only going to get more labored and more consternated oh boy we're gonna have a lot more to talk about well mitch I, i meant to make the
0: programming note at the beginning to anyone still listening this far in first of all thank you if you're looking for our view from the west awards episode we push that back a week that'll be next week we'll talk awards we'll hand out all our awards for the uh, football season, the 23 football season. We felt like we had to jump in and talk districts here. So, uh, we'll be back next week talking awards. But for now, you know, we're going to be waiting and I'm sure following along the debates, the discussion on Twitter about what works, what doesn't work with this district format. Thank you to everyone who listened, who followed along. We really appreciate it. Hope you leave this podcast a little more informed, a little more educated. And if you have the ability to vote, hopefully we've, you know, you know, giving you the information you need to know or that you wanted to know going into the vote for sure. So, uh, Seuss, thank you again. This has been great. We'll have to do it again in the future.
2: Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me guys. It was a really great talk and I was glad to have it. Awesome. All right. Well, Mitch, we'll talk
0: again next week. Start uh, thinking about your best ofs. Yep. Nope. No question. Uh, All right. We'll see you then. Thank you everyone. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along, and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter, at Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, Westpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.